Okay, let's start the show. It's December 6, 2012. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith. Joining me today, Norman Chan. Hello. You're wearing a gray sweater. Very observant. Today's gray sweater day. I was wearing a gray sweater, and then I took my gray sweater off because it was too much gray sweater. Uh, also, Some old habits die hard. The gray sweater? Talking about what people are wearing. We don't talk about t-shirts anymore. Talking about what people are wearing. It's, completely, it's sweater season, man. It's, it's December. December. Wesley Fenlon, I'm going to introduce you so you can speak now. Hey, Will. I don't have a sweater. How are you doing, Wes? I you, have no sweater. You don't sweaters. own a sweater at all? No sweaters. Is this a is this a like? Do hoodies count? No, hoodies are sweatshirts. Okay, then I have zero sweaters. You could have a, a hoodie sweater. Nope. You don't own it. You know what do you do when you go someplace where it's cold? Why why is hoodie not count as a sweater? Because why is a sweater? It's it's the type material and and fabric that you use. So, so sweater is knit wool or cotton usually. So has usually a knit. loose knit. See, like that is a loose knit. The t shirt is a tighter knit than a sweater. And then a sweatshirt. A sweatshirt or a hoodie is woven, not knit. I like to keep it casual. I think sweaters are a little too dignified for me. So you, you're thinking, is this is this part of your like lackadaisical free living attitude, exactly. or you think sweaters hold hold you down? Yeah, it's like wearing a watch. I've, well, I like watches. Watches you're, are cool, though. Okay, yeah, I don't think sweaters are cool. Like, a, would you wear a Cosby sweater if presented with the opportunity? Only if I was really drunk. What if you were intending to go someplace where you're going to get really drunk? Maybe that too. Okay. Norm, do you own a Cosby sweater? That's too ironic for you, right? Sweater. Uh, I own a Cosby vest. Really? Even better. Like with the with like what does it have on it? Like uh, has reindeer. Okay. It's red snowflakes. That's, there there are one or two snowflakes. Is it a button up vest or is it a pullover vest? Pullover vest. Oh, nice. Where yeah. where did you find your your Cosby sweater? Uh, sweater vest. Yeah, sweater vest. Uh, at a, a Goodwill store. Okay. Thrift store. And you went in like January or July or something. After the season, two thousand five. Okay, so you, your Norm was on the cutting edge of the Cosby so sweater trend. Not, not very possible now to get a particularly ugly sweater. Not in San Francisco. I think the only reason to wear They're, a Cosby sweater up. is to do the Jack Beck line from High Fidelity, where you go a Cosby sweater just all the time. You know, I saw the original Cosby sweater in the Smithsonian, right? No, they had one at uh, the Museum of Moving Image. Really? Which one did they have? The one that Bill Cosby wore. Well, he wore a bunch of different ones. It was a greenish brown one. What, yeah, just like really vertical big. horizontal stripes? Yeah. He's not actually. a small man. I, it, 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 looked, it looked massive. I huh. have photos of it, actually. Huh. Did you know that the kid from That's So Raven was on uh, uh, Are you talking about Raven? Cosby? Yeah, Raven. I didn't know that. We okay, were watching that. Cosby sweater. Wow, that's really freaky. What is that behind him? Uh, a fat suit. Why that's is a, uh, where's the fat suit from? Name all the movies that might have fat suits. Well, probably a Mike Myers movie, right? Actually, it was or, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. So that's not a naked fat suit. suit. That's an that's an inside the clothes in, fat suit. Yep. And in okay. front of that is the, the Cosby, Cosby sweater. It looks larger than life, Norm. Um, so big tech news this week. A lot of stuff going on. Is everybody okay? Other than that, I mean, we're have you guys gotten a Christmas tree yet for the house? We're not getting a Christmas tree. No Christmas tree. No Christmas tree. 
We didn't get one last year Hanukkah, either. menorah, and anything like that? We got latkes. I think the okay. lack of, of festive decoration is going to bring me down a little this year. I didn't mind it last year, but starting to feel a little empty. You know, you can, you can empty. have your Christmas tree in your room. What, so you hold on. Is there a prohibition on Christmas trees? No, I just think that if we had a Christmas tree in our house, that it would it would just get really messy and things would just not. Wow! Up. If you want to know where the Grinch lives, I can tell you. Um, you can get a fake tree. There's no messy with a fake tree. Fake trees are crap. If you're going to go a fake tree, get go full out fake, full on fake. You mean like a like a white one or something, purple with lights, uh, fiber optics. Okay, are acceptable. I like that. Um, something intentionally like. Thin and, and, and like wilted almost. So neither of you have ever probably put up a, a tree. Like you never you put up a tree with a stand in the whole nine oh, yards. Yeah. I've done it with my dad plenty yeah. of times. I've never done it myself though. Okay. So the wrestling like when I was a kid, when we when we, when we needed to hang the tree, when we needed to put the tree up, well, usually we just go to the backyard because you know we grew trees. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we'd cut a tree down, and it would invariably be about ten feet taller than the room actually was. So trees are real big, and rooms are real small compared to what you think they are in your head. Well, yeah, and when there's no roof above you, then it's hard to do scale. So, and and also you'd never climb ten feet up a tree and just cut the top off. Because really, climb you down. want a, you want a tree that's about the same height as a tall, regular tall person. Well, or if you have like we had a high ceiling in the living room, we'd like fourteen foot ceiling, so we wanted something that filled the whole Whoa. the high part of the living room. All right. And since we had an infinite supply of trees in the backyard, we were able to you know swing wide. What kind of trees did you guys grow? We grew white pines, which was the, really the mistake of the tree farm business. I always loved the Leland cypress; that was my favorite mm. Christmas tree. See, we didn't get we got Fraser firs up in my part of Fur, the country. Firs are the I think the classic. They do Douglas here, not Fraser. We do do Douglas. Yeah. So the white pines were completely undesirable by the time they matured, and and thus my college fund became a more of a financial boondoggle and and boon bane of my existence. Um, the so we'd cut it down, and then we'd get a drywall mud bucket, you know, a five gallon drywall mud bucket, and and dad or mom would send us to the driveway to get with another drywall mud mud bucket to get gravel out of the driveway. What we do is put the tree in the bucket. You carve off the bottom foot and a half of limbs, put the tree in the bucket so it's resting on the bottom, and then fill up the gaps with rocks. Now, this is not an easy to move tree stand. It's not convenient. Wait, this is a homemade tree stand. This is how we secured the tree, as opposed to buying a metal frame. Well, I'm going to tell you when you have a 14 foot tree, the metal frame is, is how big's the mud bucket? Uh, five gallons. That's a big bucket. It's a big. It's you know, it's it's like the thing that they used to, when they're drywalling the inside of a house. For some reason, we always had a lot of those. I don't know that's, why. That's a lot of rocks. Yeah, so it was about 40 pounds of rocks, probably, 50 also, pounds of rocks. Also, if someone wanted to like, take one rock out a day or something, yes. then the tree would eventually topple over. Tiny little rocks. You, there's not enough days of Christmas. Or, or you for, you'd have to take t- 10 or 20. Scoop, or, scoop yeah. out a few at a time. Um, but it was nice because it gave place for the water and all that. And it was also incredibly stable once you got the tree in. Now, the problem was if you put the tree in the bucket and put the rocks in and then tried to bring it into the house, which was our normal move, and then it was three feet too tall, you had some real That's problems. That's why you always want to cut a tree smaller than – No, yeah. you, I understand the yeah. error of the errors yeah, we made. That's why a standard six-foot tree – Actually fills up a ten foot, eight to ten foot room pretty nicely. Eight foot room. Eight foot room. I mean, we bought a seven foot tree, and it's it's perfect in the room. The lesson I learned, the reason I bring this up is the first time I was exposed to real tree stands was probably three or four years ago when we started buying trees here. Yeah, and um, they're horrible. 
They're really, really bad. It's basically just a janky, like, thin metal little bowl with little legs on yeah. it. And it's a couple inches deep. And yeah. you're trying to twist screws and, and, into the tree. And mm-hmm. it's not going to hold very well. And the screws are too short to get the appropriate amount of torque on. And, and the cup that holds the water doesn't hold enough water to be safe. There's a there's a so I like when I went out. What happens my first, if you don't water a Christmas tree? It, it dries up and then it becomes a massive fire hazard. It's basically tinder, especially pines. Yeah, especially any of the any any Christmas trees. They're they're all they're real Christmas bad. Christmas trees sound awesome. Um, so so I looked at those the tree stand that you described and I was like, no, this is this is clearly a terrible tree stand. I should not buy this tree stand. Okay. And I then I saw this other one and it was a big plastic bin and it had eight pins. One above the other, you know, two rows of four. Staggered? Sta- no, they weren't staggered. They were they were directly above. But the idea I looked at it was like, oh yeah, this is a great idea because then you can twist the bottom one a little bit more if it's tilting the wrong way, and you don't have to do the thing where you untake everything out, make sure it's level, and also then works as like a little torture. Put it back in. Yeah, exactly. You put your hand in there. It's real painful. Yeah. That was a terrible idea because it turns out that there's no way when you twist the bottom on one, you have to untwist the the other side, and it ends up there's no pivot. It just becomes twice as many screws you have to screw in. So it was. I mean, I don't want to say nightmare because that it's a real. This wow. is the first world he is to first world problems, but it was it was bad. Use we'll like just, concrete or what? some type of jelly or something. To, oh, you know, if you could just put some water in a bucket and then dump the jelly in and it glues it in place. Yeah, that's perfect. I had a plastic stand like that growing up for a few years. That I remember seeming fine. It worked pretty well, I guess, uh, until one year. When the dog knocked over the Christmas tree while we weren't home and came home to just <laughs> oh, a fucking no. disaster, tree apocalypse, and so we set it up upright again, but yeah. we didn't notice that there was a crack in the plastic tree stand, and so the next day we came home to the exact same situation. Oh no! Oh, oh no! At that point, more you shattered shop, ornaments on the and, ground and, and turn around, and walk away. So that was the end of the plastic tree stand. Yeah, because that, that's what the thing that happened to ours eventually was that I put the tree in too hard and it blew the bottom out of it. But there was already water and it was real bad. So I bought a new tree stand this year. I went, I did tree stand research before we went and bought the tree, and I bought I bought this stand. Um, it looks like a plastic, but it's a big, huge plastic bucket. But instead of screwing the things in, they ratchet. So you can push it right up on each side. And then you just twist it a few times because it still screws to cinch it in real good. And, it, and to keep it from pivoting inside the, inside the, the four screws, there's a, a kind of – it's almost like a bit on the bottom of the bucket that you can twist it down on. It kind of eats into the trunk a little bit. Looked great. It is designed for trees that are substantially larger than the tree which I purchased. Well, that's good. Well, y- you think that, except for the screws aren't long enough to, to, to hit effectively on the, the smaller round tree trunk. So you have to line up the tree exactly right, which ended up – like the way this is accomplished is by me laying on the floor under the tree and pushing up against the bottom of the trunk and wiggling while Gina is saying, it's not straight. It's not straight. This, ah, you're going to have to do this again. Lovely interpretation. It was horrible. It was really bad. So That's tree stands all suck. Um, I think next year I'm going to buy the the seventy five dollar one that everybody was like, yeah, this one's really easy. Um, seventy five dollars. That seems insane. Stand. How much is a tree? Uh, fifty nine dollars. Wow. Tree stand is a gift that keeps it's an giving. Investment for your yeah. tree is the tree stand accessory. I'm paying. I'm pay, When I pay a lot of money for a tree stand, I'm paying to not be hassled, not to hold the tree up. I mean, if I want to hold the not, if I want to hold the tree up, I can get a drywall mud bucket and some gravel, and that's like twelve dollars. I don't think I can do seventy five dollars. I could pay a child a buck a day to hold it 
all day long just to hold it up. That's that's I'm long. pretty sure that that's slave labor and would be illegal. If you said, "Hey, kid, here's a buck a day," that that's the OSHA people are probably going to be anti that. Plus, anything to do with Christmas, you want to think of it as you're establishing a tradition. Like this is the the tr- no, 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 no. That's bullshit. You got to be careful of that. Because if you look at that, then what you're doing right now is establishing some really bad traditions, Wes. Well, I'm in a totally different situation than you are, though. That's possible. I don't know. I, I Converting to Judaism has never seemed better than when you're laying underneath the tree trying to hoist the fucking tree into the right place in the stand. Anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about TV manufacturers. Because a few weeks ago, we talked about this. We touched on it. The fact that TV sales are plummeting, no one is replacing their 50 and 60 inch TVs. So all of these companies have spent the last 10 years on a really great upgrade treadmill are facing the harsh cold light of day. And that is reflected by, well, credit ratings. Both Panasonic and Sony have had their credit ratings dropped to BB grade, which means they're no longer investment grade opportunities. And the people who do credit ratings think that they're probably going to default on their loans. Uh So we were right. Hey, high five, Norm. A really terrible high five. That was a Sorry, Sony. NPR high five. Um, in more good news, Lamar Smith, a representative Lamar Smith of Texas, who you may remember from uh, such fine internet legislation as SOPA, the Stop Online Piracy Act, and another thing about ch- uh, child pornography that also so would have killed he? the internet. Uh, he's, a rep- he's a representative from Texas, a member of the House of Representatives, was recently reelected. And every two years, you know, because the House turns over every two years, everybody has to go for election. They re kind of rework everyone. Who, term yeah. for office in the House the term for office in House of Representatives is two years. That's that's not long at all. The Senate is six. Wow. So that means every major election, every other year, every all four hundred and thirty eight members of the House of Representatives go for reelection. That's terrible. Well, I mean, it, it's good. It gives you an easy turn if something bad happens. Yeah. Um. So it, he was the sponsor of SOPA. Which you remember as the stop, you know, it's, it, when, when they turned off Wikipedia for a day last year, I guess. Um, that was as a response to SOPA. Uh, he's also sponsored a college co- kids everywhere. Yeah, college Find kids. Out. Yeah, it was real bad. Reddit also was gone that day. So it was a one two punch for stoner college kids. Um, the, uh, the, the, he's now in charge of the, of the House Science Committee. He's the head of it. So, uh, now, what do these committees actually do? So the committees are really important. Um, the, the way it works is the committees have oversight over certain uh, areas of government. So uh, like the House Rules Committee, which when I was an intern on Capitol Hill, I worked for the House Rules Committee. Um, they, they are the ones that maintain the schedule for the entire legislative calendar. So like if you have a bill and you want to get it passed in, and you want to have a vote on the floor, one of the first stops you make is the House Rules Committee to see if you can get it on the schedule and get enough support to get it on the schedule from the committee members. Uh, the Science Committee does the same kind of stuff but for science agencies. So NASA, uh, National Institutes of Standards and Technologies who do such things as time they, – you know, they run the t- – I think they run the atomic clocks and determine how much a, a, a gram is in the United States and stuff like that. Um, so not only could uh, – remember the House of Representatives, for example, in a district in San Francisco – like a district five or district seven, not only could they be in charge, should they be in charge of the local district and the things that are going on, yeah. but also they'll have other responsibilities. They'll go. Okay. Well, the, I mean, and, and regulate NASA. So, so yeah. So, I mean, there's budget committees and those people are responsible for making sure the budget is, is in line with what, you know, they're represented theoretically with what their representatives want. In reality, that's not how it works. Um, 
uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic, Ocean, Oceanographic and Air Atmospheric Association or something, um, uh, NSF, the National Science Foundation, the EPA, the Department of Energy, and the uh, uh, USGS, which is the Geological Survey, the, you know, the national parks. And, I guess it's not national parks, it's maps. Um, so, so yeah, he's in charge of science. It's all, also internet stuff falls under science committee now. So stop pirating maps. He's the, he's Lamar Smith is in charge. And the way it works is the party who's in control of the house determines that's who, the chair is always from that party as a general rule. Um, and, and mm. yeah, and they'll have a small majority. And that leads to sometimes having some kind of scary people in charge of science committees, like, yeah, the guy who the legitimate rape guy, the legitimate rape guy, yeah, Todd Aiken. Yeah, he's no longer in. in he unfortunately he didn't get reelected. Yeah, we'll we'll get by <sighs> somehow. Yeah, um, yeah. So so yeah, Lamar Smith head of the House Science Committee. I expect that means bad things for the internet for the next two years at least. So uh, keep keep your eye peeled and get your writing letter, your angry letter writing fingers ready, folks. A uh, new version of iTunes came out last last week, this week, last week, I guess now. The last day of November. November 30th. Yeah, they snuck it in. They said originally it was supposed to come out on, no- on October 20th. Sneaked? Really? Sneaked. Why? Snuck is not a real word. It's the past tense of sneak. You would think so. Not beat snuck bandit? It's sneak king, not snuck king. Sneak king was a great free game. Better than Doritos it wasn't, bullshit. It wasn't free, though. It was like five bucks. Did you have to pay for it? Yeah. You got it at Burger King, right? Yeah. Oh, those were good games. Um, I just pulled a Jennifer Gardner on you because she did that to Conan? David Letterman, really? One of those guys. You know, you know. There's nothing Sneaked. better than when somebody comes onto a show and starts correcting other people's grammar. Perfect. It makes everyone involved seem like a real asshole. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they sneaked. Uh, originally, uh, iTunes, the iTunes 10. Is that what it is? 11. 11 was the new version. I guess it was 10 before. How how the hell have we gotten through 11 versions of iTunes now? Um, it was supposed to come out in October. They pushed it back. Uh, it was released last day of November, and and uh, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Have you used it yet, either of you? I have not installed or run iTunes for maybe two years. See, I use iTunes every week for the to do the ID three tags on the podcast. Uh, um, on, my, on my PC, I mean. Oh yeah, I would never put. I for the love of God, don't put iTunes on a PC. Yeah, I unfortunately have my iPhone synced to my PC uh, through iTunes, but I haven't really had to use that since. I did the initial setup and like I did a few transfers. Yeah, so if if you have an iPhone, you should have iTunes, even if you don't buy music from them or user services. uh, To uh, it does two things well to load files. It it is to load files onto your iOS device. Yeah, uh, to back it up, uh, to do a secure backup. I use the cloud backup. I don't think the cloud backup does does do all your photos. Not every one of your photos. Backs up the other photos. Yeah, you can back up your photos. All of your photos. You pay. Yeah, I I don't want to pay for that. Pay for pay for my my data backup. is worth more than five dollars a year or whatever it is. Ten dollars a year, not five dollars a year. It's ten, it's ten bucks a year for how much storage? For fifteen gigs, more than enough. Fifteen gigs enough for all your photos? No, I, well, I back up the photos on the. It's just backing up the photos on the phone. The other photos get backed up on my home machine. I have a home server and photos oh, backed up two I have places. Like all my photos on my phone. You put you put how many photos? You've only taken you've taken less than thirty two gigs of photos. I Lifetime? I have 2,000 iPhone photos. Okay. And a bunch of photos. Do you not stuff. back those up someplace else? I'm on my iTunes backup. Because they're my phone photos. I don't need them. They're useless. They're phone photos. 
you're a strange man, Norm. Yeah, uh, and also iTunes is good for organizing music, so you can it will search through um, your tags and sort your songs in folders. And you mean you smart want. smart tags and uh, playlists and all that stuff? Uh, well, just, just albums. Let's do a good. I think it does a good I don't, sorting. I oh. I don't like iTunes sorting personally. I've imported way too many things and had albums split up in weird various ways artists. By, God forbid an album yeah. has oh, six no, I artists. Do, I never do by artists. I do by artists and album. We never do by composer. Is the mistake? Maybe by nobody artists. uses the composer ID three classical music aficionados use sure composer. sure but not for anything not for else. pop music. Yeah. The thing the thing that you're talking about is the various artists artist problem. So you can have if you have twelve tracks. Say you have an Outcast album that has every song has a different person featured on it. Or OSTs. Yeah, or OSTs. You go to the or uh, yeah, I guess OSTs. You you the album artist will be Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, and the the artist will be different for each song. But if your if your ID three tags are set up wrong, then it, they'll be blown all over iTunes, which is real bad. Um, I don't think iTunes is a very good piece of software still, but the cosmetic changes are are nice. I like the cosmetic stuff that they did to this. I guess Ooh, people cosmetics. in general think eleven is a step up from ten. Kinda. Um, people are griping about the lack of duplicate songs uh, of the duplicate songs songs view, where you can see if there's if you've accidentally somehow gotten two of the same song in in your library. Uh, Apple said they're going to restore that in a in a minor update at some point. Um, it's it's uh, they kind of just stripped out a lot of the stuff that had been it it had been like iTunes had very clearly been a piece of software that had been iterated multiple times at you know ten ten times at this point and I don't think they've ever sat down and done a whole like base level rewrite of it and it seems like they did a whole new pass on the UI this go around it's kind of like two or three different pieces of software just jammed together and then yeah. duct taped into one that doesn't work very well yeah because it has the music player it has all the stuff for syncing iOS devices. And what's the third piece? The store? Store, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Um, I, th- I think it's better. It's the performance problems that I've always had with, when I hook it up to my big library at home are still super present. So that's a bummer. But I, I use it at home so I can feed music to the Apple TV in the living room, basically, without having to have an iPad or iPhone on. So You don't need to update. Um, well, you will eventually because it'll stop working. But yeah, for now... Um, I, I I have to say it was a much smoother update than I was expecting for a for a big release that they were late on even so good good iTunes ten eleven it's out now you can download it. Um, Gmail speaking of app updates Gmail is out uh, they've updated Gmail to two point for iOS. Um, I haven't I haven't installed it yet. I'm pretty happy with Mail.app on my iPhone. But stop uh, using Sparrow. Really? Did you stop using Sparrow? I stopped using Sparrow uh, when they didn't support i the iPhone five extra screen fast enough. But they do now. They do now. But then I started using VIP lists, and once I started using VIP lists, there's no going back to Sparrow. If you could set notifications based on the folder which stuff goes into, I'd probably go back. But, but VIP lists are important to you because you have so much mail that you, and you don't do Inbox Zero. Um, I, I do do Inbox Zero, but sometimes you know there, there are a handful of people that you and I both get email from that requires a fairly fast response. And I check email nonstop. Right, and I, I've stopped doing that because it's unhealthy. So, I'd rather do other things. You're with killing my yourself, time. Norm. Oh no, killing yourself with that email. Oh no, too much time on email, Norm. Um, I, I was using Sparrow from the day I got my iPhone five to yesterday when I changed over to Gmail to see how I liked it. Uh huh. Um, I, I really like the layout. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the the Google Plus, you know, white, you know, with highlights of red and stuff mm-hmm. color. Uh, it looks really good. It's snappy. It kind of has the now standard like 
pop in from the left to to pull in the menu. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, but it also has a menu button. It's just as easy to to reach. Do you think, how does caching work on that? Um, I think you can just you can scroll through everything. But is it offline? Is it web based? Or is it a dedicated app? I, I'm not sure. the The first one was basically just a web app. Yeah, right? yeah. pretty much. Um, Which is why I didn't use it. This looks like a fully functional app. Like if you um, suddenly, I you believe know, you put can, on airplane mode. Could you read emails? You can mark emails as to download, I believe. Uh, but I'm not sure how how far back it goes. If you're just yeah, see, I don't like going that. through your inbox. Uh, the reason I use mail.app is because. I set to download the last like, thousand. Like, like a month or something? Yeah the, yeah, the the most messages I can keep. And then, so when I'm on airplanes, I can actually go through stuff. Yeah, I do the when, same thing. when you're in airports and the reception isn't great, you can actually look up your reservation. I don't yeah. think you can do that in Gmail just because it's not in the settings. The settings is pretty bare bones. It's like, do you want to reply with a mobile signature or a regular gotcha. signature? That's kind of, that's about it for settings. Yeah, the thing, the thing, the other thing I started doing was pushing, um, I, I, I star stuff. Uh, you know, flag it as important, which stars it in Gmail. And if you sync, if you push that folder, then things like airplane reservations will always be there. If you if you keep, you know, a hundred messages in that folder or whatever the whatever the setting is. So. I think start is a useful, but I star things. But starting something does not necessarily mean that you'll remember later on. No, I just do it to have easy access to it. That's that's the only so it doesn't get lost in the in the churn. Um, and the other reason I stopped doing inbox zero is when you're using mail.app you um like the ability to search and the reason to install gmail if for no other nothing else is the ability to search gmail on ios well because it doesn't work very well on mobile it doesn't work very well in it, it works sometimes in the in mail.app is why i use Sparrow for a you, long you, time you can search subject and the all field is too general yeah uh, because gmail now accepts um like google search type modifiers uh you can do very precise searches it's really great. So um, it doesn't have unified inbox, which is something I miss. Mm. Does it work with um, Does it work with two step two factor authentication, or do you have that turned on? I don't have that turned on. Uh, I don't know if it does work. There's no. I'm sure it does if they just releases it. Everything they've released recently has, but you never know. You can use multiple accounts, which is nice. I just wish that they would unify them. Um, but it's pretty quick to to switch between, so it's not that big a deal. Cool. Um, YouTube, it's free, of course, too. I wonder if this is a result of, I mean, because Sparrow was bought by Google. I wonder if this is their work coming out in the first pass or if it's too soon still. It seems like it's that probably too soon. Too soon. Um, uh, speaking of app updates, YouTube got updated this week. Uh, the, it supports the long, stretchy screen, but more importantly, it supports iPad resolution now, too. So it's a tablet-friendly version of the YouTube Finally. app for Jeez. iOS 6. Oh my god! Have you installed it yet, Norm? I've only installed it on my iPhone. I have not installed it on my iPad. Yeah, I haven't put it on my iPad yet either. Yeah, on the iPhone, it really helps um, because that extra space when you put stuff full screen, it just wasn't full screen. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. I, I, I've, see, I've been using YouTube and Chrome because the YouTube app was kind of stinky on the iPhone five. So uh, excited about that on on uh, iPad. Uh, Smart Glass also got an iPhone five update today. Uh, Wes, do you use Smart Glass? I've used it only to see if my friends are online, basically. I've been mm. playing a lot of Halo 4 since that came out. And so um, most of my friends live on the East Coast. And so I don't really know when they're going to be on based yeah. on work and stuff. So I'll, every once in a while, I'll check and just like browse to friends and see if they're playing. Um, but I haven't actually tried the the integration second screen stuff with the Xbox whatever, whatever it does. I don't even know what it's for, really. So the only thing I've done is... Um 
is uh, playing Halo again, uh, the Halo Waypoint stuff, which is kind of neat. You um, you basically get access to a kind of JV version of the Halo Waypoint app from the Xbox anytime you're playing the game, which is nice because if you're like in a loading screen or or people are you know changing loadouts or something, you can go in and see your stats from previous matches and stuff like that. So you're talking about the Waypoint app and not the Smart Glass. Talking app. about Smart Glass running Waypoint. Okay. Yeah. I don't there think is, there's a, is there a Waypoint there's app There's a Waypoint too? app for iPhone. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Waypoint seems cool unless you ever played like Halo 3 and used Bungie's stuff. Well, Halo, Halo 2, the Halo, Halo 2 one and the Halo 3 one were amazing. Because um, Bungie's website was, was really incredible uh, in the late Halo 3 and then the Reach days where you could go on, you could browse people's file shares and download maps yeah. and it would queue it up to your Xbox um, it had like crazy detailed stat tracking. Well, even even in Halo Two, you had the thing where they showed you the overhead view of the map, and you could see the where everybody maps. was when they died, and where everybody was when they when they killed someone. Yeah, the fact that they had that in two thousand five was amazing. Was incredible. Yeah, um, and it and it kept getting better. And Waypoint is missing most of that stuff. Like, yeah, you can look at your Spartans armor, and you can see your friends and stuff, but. There's a lot of stuff that they need to to add in to make it really live up to what they had in the past. Well, the stuff that I the stuff that I like is just knowing which weapons I seem to be better at and worse. Whereas, I mean, I was just looking at it for literally performance stuff, and it seems it's not it's not you like you said you don't have the same level of detail, but it's okay for that. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for the big apps that I, I noticed were updated this week. Um, do you want to talk about Instagram a little bit? Uh, sure. So, I don't know if you guys are aware, but Twitter has been. Well, you know, real popular lately. Yeah, people they're making some really interesting choices on the path to monetizing Twitter as a service, I guess. Um is the polite way to say it. Uh they a few months ago they pulled they removed Instagram's ability to add friends based on your Twitter account. So, you know, it used to be when you set up set up a new Instagram account, it would say, "Hey, uh, are you a Twitter user? Do you want to get your friends from Twitter? And you just log into Twitter, you hit the OAuth button, mm-hmm. allow it, and then they'd say, okay, hey, all these people from your friends list are already on Instagram. You can add them instantly if you want. It was really convenient. Twitter uh, pulled that because they thought that they were probably giving Instagram a little bit of an unfair competitive advantage. Um, same for other services too. Yeah, LinkedIn had the same thing happen. Um, was the other big high-profile Path. one. Path, really? I think Path. No, I think Path's still there. I don't okay. think they look at Path as a threat. Um, so, you know, that was that nothing really happened at the time, but this week Instagram has announced that they're removing support for Twitter's cards API. Uh, so if you don't know what the cards API is, it's the thing when you're, when you're looking at your Twitter feed and some con, someone posts a link to something and then that content from another site, whether it's YouTube or it's previously Instagram photo bucket image, image URL or one of those sites. Uh, or even like the Wall Street Journal or New York Times, that content is actually embedded in your Twitter feed. Is on the web browser. In the web browser or on TweetDeck or um, official Twitter app, um, assuming you're running a more recent version. The Now, obviously, Twitter is doing that because they don't want people to leave Twitter. Um, and people do that because they want people, you know, people are more likely to, if you don't have to leave Twitter to go do something, whether it's watch a YouTube video or look at some pictures or, um, or you know, uh, read a Wall Street Journal article. They're probably more likely to do it. Uh, Instagram has pulled support for Twitter cards because they want people to come back to their website when they when somebody posts an Instagram URL. So they're using the Instagram pulled it. Instagram pulled it. Okay, so Instagram does not. They chose not to let people see Instagram pictures into their Twitter feeds. Yes, 
Well, no, no. They're using the old API for posting images, which which the result is that the images are going to end up cropped funny because they're a weird aspect ratio according to Twitter. And they Twitter. want people to click on the website because now they've launched these profiles. Right. And they want people to go to the Instagram website because that, of course, adds value for Instagram as a company. Because here's a picture of my eye. Yeah. Or, you know, my lemon tart. Whichever, whichever, here, whichever reference clouds. you want to put. Here's, here, here, right. here are the clouds. Here's also, the there's some boot my there. My airplane wing. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, my feet are in the sand. Aren't you jealous? Uh, the sun is setting. No one's ever seen that before. Really? Um, what, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a street sign. Here's a... It's a street sign next to an abandoned business. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. The, here's a doll on the side of the road. Um, Here should we just talk kids. about that? Because that was a really funny video. It was pretty funny. Yeah. College Humor did an Instagram video, which you should look up if you haven't seen it yet. It's... it's Nickelback and Instagram, it is spot on. It's not. It's, it's not real Nickelback. It's a Nickelback tune, I think. I don't know it any is, Nickelback songs. It's a assume. Nickelback parody. Oh, it sounds like Nickelback. Well, I think that was the point. They're okay. going for a Nickelback Creed like. Are they implying that Instagram is the Nickelback of photo sharing services? I I, I think so. Hmm. I, wasn't it? Isn't it a Weird Al style? Like it, it is a Nickelback song. They just yeah. changed the words. Oh, is that what it is? I assume I, so. I, That's I, what, I, that was I, my I, assumption I as well. I don't actually Nickelback know. Nickelback songs. Yeah, I don't think any of us do. Huh. See, that's the problem with those parody videos because I don't think I've ever heard that song, Call Me Maybe, but I've heard parodies of that song everywhere and I've only, I kind of know what Call the Me song. Maybe parody. You probably heard Call Me Maybe and just thought it was a parody of the song. No, no, there was one that was like a Batman or something. Oh. I've actually one. managed to not hear Call Me Maybe or Gangnam Style. Oh, hey, we can fix that right now. Let's, let's not, let's move on. See, the, see, the Gangnam Style, I think you have to hear because the par- there are so many parodies uh, and the parody is not only parody the the parody for that is interesting because unlike unlike the Call Me Maybe ones, I don't I've never seen the music video for the Call Me Maybe or heard the real song. But based on the parodies, they're all shot very differently. Like there was a Batman one that had you know s- s- lyric interesting lyrics related to the movie, but it had characters from Batman. Yeah, and it was all random random mis- I think a random mashup of scenes. And then there are other ones. You mean you, you don't think Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway and, and Michael no, no, Caine no, 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 I'm saying recorded like, a no, Call no, Me no, Maybe no. video? I'm saying that there were people who sh- put on Batman costumes and Bane costumes and Catwoman costumes, but shot it, but weren't trying to also imitate whatever the Call Me Maybe music video. No, the Call Me Maybe music video is super specific. Is my, I've never seen it, but I have I, seen like, a lot of parodies because like, they all have like, the same format. There's a parody, uh, a parody of Lady Gaga songs because her music videos ha- are so distinct. Yeah. They will have a parody that you know have a very uh, a version of those scenes. That's what, hap- that's what happens with the Gangnam Style videos because right. that music video is so distinct. All the parodies not only are they twist up twisting up the lyrics, they are also incorporating elements from the original music video in their own way. Well, and part of the marketing push for the Call Me Maybe, and it may not have been intentional, but it seems like it probably was, was that I think Bieber or some other Canadian artist did a re-recording of that song of that video like on a phone cam and posted it to YouTube and that was one of the things that gave that song a push. So it seeded so it, the, it like used an existing performer with a massive social network following to to push the popularity of a kind of catchy pop song. I just mm-hmm. enjoy the distillation of the lyrics down into to meme form and how how flexible For example? that becomes. Like the the call me maybe like uh, hey, now, this is crazy. My parents are dead, so call me, maybe. There's Batman. Okay, yeah. Is that the original lyrics? 
No, my parents aren't. She's not. She doesn't sing. My parents are dead. Oh, see, I don't know. Pop song. I, I don't know. But that's what Batman would say. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is what Batman would say. Huh? Um, that, that would have been so much better than "Kissed by a Rose." I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> the Gundam style ones. There's the Star Trek one, which I thought was okay, but the best one. What was this? I didn't see the Star Trek one. It had dancing Vulcans and Klingons and wow. all sorts of stuff. Okay. Um, the best one is the um, Big Trouble in Little China one. I didn't see that one either. I would watch that. There's, it is, it is actually. I think it was presented by, um, what's John Carpenter at a convention, and it is very like all these parodies are incredibly expensive to produce. They look, at least they look like it, um, and it looks like they got like a ton of like actors and makeup, and choreographed it all, and it it looks incredible. Big Trouble in Little China is one of those movies that if you see it later in your life like you saw it just yes. for the first time a couple, wow couple really ago, yep it suddenly fills in massive swaths of pop culture knowledge that you never would have known yeah it, it comes oh, straight yeah. out of big trouble it, it's the China. same thing with if people have never seen evil dead or uh or they live i've never seen they live you've never seen really? they live no how do you play duke nukem not seen they live i i just i assumed it was about evil dead or Army of Darkness. But you've heard, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. I thought that's from Army gum. of Darkness. No, that's from, that's they, from, they, that's live. from they Live. Maybe I have seen They Live then. It was, it this was is, in, okay. A lot of my youth was spent watching movies on channels that we didn't actually get on the satellite dish. So you'd just dial it in. You wouldn't have any audio or you wouldn't have any video. So you'd watch the pictures or, you know, you, you kind of had to fill in the blanks. It's like an imagination exercise. Once I had two TVs, one only displayed images in black and white and then sound. One was in color, but was only but had no sound, and I just put them next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Twitter. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's the Instagram Twitter thing. So if you post your Instagram pictures to Twitter, they're going to get cropped weird and look janky because Twitter and Instagram are being assholes to each other, basically. Well, it could. And Instagram clearly wants to be a social network more than they want to be a filter service. Super duper into being a social network. Yeah. I mean, when they're sending out press releases, every time they beat a record for a number of images uploaded during a, um, like Halloween or Thanksgiving or the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or crazy or events like, that. like yeah. you know, Super Bowl or or um, uh, the the storm, yeah. Superstorm Sandy. Yeah, I mean, it's literally only a matter of time before Instagram releases a press release that says. Hey, the, at, at the Super Bowl during halftime, two seven hundred fifty thousand people took a picture of their TV when we ran the ad that said, "Hey, take a picture of your TV now." Posted Instagram, but it totally does not want to, or need to be because it is owned by Facebook, a social network in the same way that Facebook is a social network. I think it wants to be a social network in the way that Flickr is a social network. Well, or you was a social network. I, I think it's still pretty strong and. And then and, and build up on features to be more of a, a big photo hub, the biggest photo hub in the world. Yeah, that seems fair. They really get people to take pictures of their TVs. I bet they could. Hashtag sheeple. Yeah. I don't think they'd say hashtag sheeple. I think they'd call it the Insta Awesome but they'd halftime be, show they'd or something like that. They're going to sponsor, the ha- they're gonna sponsor a, a Super Bowl ad, and the end of the ad will be, hey, now take a picture of your dog in front of the TV. Or if you have a cat, take a picture of your cat. And, you know. There you go. Or a lemon tart. Whatever. It all works. Do you want to talk about Kindle free time? I think this is really weird and neat and interesting and crazy. Um, free time. Well, we talked about free time during the Kindle Fire 8.9 quick look. 
And it's basically like the kid mode for uh, Kindle Fires. And they named it because that's what parents tell their kids. They have free time. Really? Like, like you know, you have, you have work time, school time, and then yeah. now you have play time or free time. Okay. That's what I assume. Well, there's a picture of a kid with a kite. So, I mean, you don't play kites for work. I mean, we did once. I think that encouraging kids to be on tablets during their free time is a bad idea. Well, well, are they reading? Yeah. Is reading bad, Norm? I think you should be outside reading. Are you anti-books? You think that if you, you, you if know my stance now. You know, you goddamn well know I'm anti-books. I, they should be outside playing on the swings. Swings are dangerous, man. Jesus. Norm is anti-books. You heard it here first. Um, no Christmas tree, no books nope. under the Chan tree. Nope. I mean, I do kind of believe that it would be better to have kids reading on a Kindle proper or a a real book than the tablet screen because God knows they're going to wreck their eyes enough just you know playing video games. I don't and think there's any. TV and there's been, I mean, has there ever been research about that? I mean, I I spent a lot of time looking at a 13 inch CRT playing Nintendo games when I was a kid, maybe, and I mean my my vision is only negative seven and a half. Maybe there's no, no proof that the screen will do permanent damage but i mean there's clearly eye strain just from looking at lcds for hours and hours and eye strain is more um it's also a factor of uh the difference in how bright the screen is versus how bright the rest of the room is right um well anyway so kindle free time unlimited which norm hates because he hates books and kids uh, is hey kids just think they should be outside the house. Okay. Is a, uh, is curated content for kids three to eight. Um, and it's basically apps, books, kids, X, X, apps, books, games for kids, educational, uh, games and educational titles and stuff like that. Um, and it's all stuff that the parents can like, the parents can obviously select on a per content type basis. So they can say, okay, the kid can spend this much time reading books as much as they want. The kid can spend this much time playing games as much, uh, you know, from as much as they want to 15 minutes a day. They can spend this much time in educational titles. They can spend this much time doing, watching videos. Um, so it gives a kind of, it's, it's almost like a safe, safe Netflix for kids. Um, that's in a tablet that they carry around. It makes, it's a safe version of the internet. You can lock out the web browser if you want. It closes out advertisements, in-app purchases. Um, and in app uh, uh, and social media hooks for whatever apps you use, um, and it, they're charging for it. This is the crazy thing. So it's three bucks a kid per month <laughs> for face for for per per, kid for, for premium uh, uh, prime members, or seven bucks a family. So if you have two kids, then you pay six bucks. Or if you have three or thirty, you pay seven bucks. Now does that? Does that wow. grant you access to any content, or yeah, is that that's the point? Is you get all the you get all the kid friendly content on? I mean, you don't get all the kid friendly content, but you get a wide selection of kid content that's on Amazon Instant Video, Kindle, um, and the App Store. That seems like a pretty great deal to me for parents. Yeah, like if because they know, I mean, theoretically, that all that stuff is totally kid safe. Yeah, and. You're paying a human being is looking at it. You're That's paying the idea. less money probably than you would pay to buy those kids' books for your kid or yeah. babysitters. Yeah, the Kindle can babysit your kid. Yeah, let the let the Kindle raise my child. I would love to see, um, and maybe they even do this to some limited extent, but see Amazon get you know kids authors or like Neil Gaiman and people like that who have who have written kids stuff or are just great writers to you know take like a week or something or make a list of. You know, here are my favorite kids' books that that your kid should read. And oh, they do, do that. 
do like sponsored curation stuff. Um, yeah, but n- not. Sponsored, I mean, your three year old's not going to give a shit who Neil Gaiman is. He just wants to read about the graveyards, right? But it, well, it's for the parents more than it's for the kids. Right? That's uh, true. I think parents should give their kids should should read the books and give their kids and have their own recommendations, and not just let some other some other author teach, raise their kids. So, so you know, the titles, the stuff that's linked in here is. Uh, Disney, Nickelodeon, Sesame Street, PBS Kids, and a bunch of other stuff that I don't know about. But like the pictures are Dora and Jumanji and Sesame Street and Curious George and all sorts of stuff. And like, I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about kids, the number one gift request for kids being an iPad um, in, in this age bracket. Like, this is, I think this is dramatically better than saying, Hey, here's an iPad. We've just locked out the App Store, but here's you, know, you. Then you have a web browser and access to all that other stuff. I, I mean, I think I think this is a much better solution. Honestly, or spend time with kids. Well, I, know, I know. Obviously, all, you obviously should spend not, time with the kids. Parents could do, yeah, parents could do that. But I mean, it's it's the it's the. I uh, believe me, I've talked to a lot of parents in the last three to six months because you know we're in the information gathering phase of this whole thing, and. You know, at some point, you have to put the kid down and go do. You have, and, you have and, to go and, cook and, food. And then you come back, and the kid calls the Kindle mommy. Right, exactly. This is just applying <laughs> like the idea behind some things specifically built for kids, like the Leapfrog system, yeah. and just applying it to a piece of technology that can do more. Well, can and we talk about that toy talk. But that actually, we haven't talked. We talked about it a little bit. We should talk about it we, again. We didn't talk about it. But it's basically, yeah. I mean, and and I'd much rather be in a content and have them on hardware that's actually good. And in a content ecosystem, it's not like the 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 leapfrog stuff is very clearly. And I know it's not really a Gillette Razor model because it's not really the Gillette Razor model. But you know the, what we traditionally think of as here's the here's the hardware, and then we're going to make all of our money on on software sales. And then the software may or may not be good. I'd much rather you be in an ecosystem that's open for people to submit content to, and you get the best of that stuff than just whatever leapfrog happens to have the the arrangement with. And I don't know if the leapfrog stuff is any good or not. I'm just we're just picking on them because it, yeah, I mean, it was what you, you said. Know, like know. The, yeah. the hardware design obviously is not going to be as good, but right. you know, it's the idea is that you can maybe have this device already and you can just gear it towards your kids, or later after they grow out of it, maybe they can just use it as yeah. a general purpose device. I yeah. think that's I think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, and then you have a it's a good upgrade path too because the kid goes. Takes the seven inch tablet and it lasts them for a long time as long as the seven inch tablet lives. Um, let's talk about Toy Talk because this is really cool. We talked to these guys a few months ago um, about some other stuff, uh, but but they released a teaser a couple months ago. We put it on the site uh, or I tweeted. I can't remember. Um, and what they're doing is is something completely different than this. Basically, what they're doing is um, well, well making, they also want a way to help parents raise their kids or keep their kids entertained and educated. I think entertained probably. I think this is an entertainment device. Okay. Um, but what they seem to be building is an app that you can put a stuffed animal in front of. So you, so you, you go to toytalk.com and watch the trailer because it's really good. And I, I'm going to ruin the reveal because it's kind of a sweet little little vignette. Um, but it's a, some people from Pixar and, and other tech companies that you are familiar with. Um, and what they've done is built – they've applied the lessons of Siri and Google Voice and, and natural language stuff to essentially make a kid's toy talk, stuffed animal talk. So you, you, you put your iPad on a stand and you put the teddy bear in front of it and then you look at the teddy bear on the screen because they're, they're taking a shot of him from the front-facing camera of the device 
and the bear will tell you stories, tell the kids stories, and the kid can say, "Hey, well, well what happened to what happened? What happened to Princess? Whatever her name is next?" And then it tells the story. Um, so it's like Furby three It's like Teddy Ruxpin, but interactive. But your toy in an iPad, and your toy, and also yeah, and it's in an iPad. I think uh, there, yeah, this could be. Incredible. Do you have strong opinions about this norm? Uh, about letting your children, letting your children be raised by uh, by a toy, by toys. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's children should be talking to anyone. Toys, robots. Yeah. What if What if you had R two D two in your house? Would you let the kids talk to R two D two? You programmed it. If you built R two, if say you're Anakin Skywalker, you built C three PO, and he's yes. in the house. Can you? I think you're going to stop right there. Say there was a C three PO, and it was programmed. Yeah. And built. Okay. Yeah. 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 Then I would like to continue. You'd be cool letting, yeah, but, like having a robot name. But I'm uncomfortable with the idea of someone else programming a conversation. And what? Okay. So what about childcare? Are you okay with the idea of a nanny or daycare? Yes. Did you go? Did you guys go to daycare when oh, you were yeah. kids? Okay. Yeah, it was traumatizing. Yeah. It was the worst. See, I didn't go to we didn't have, we, daycare my is no. the worst because if you pick the wrong daycare person to run it. Then those day, those uh, the people run it. They all smiles until the parents leave. It's basically a sweatshop. Then, then it's then it's oh, you get the shitty PB and J sandwiches with the wheat bread, the grainy wheat bread. Well, that's probably good for you. Your parents probably thought that was a pro. That was the worst. All I wanted was a hot pocket. Well, I mean, you were eating if, hot pockets at three or four, not three or four. I mean, like four or five. If five, you were eating a six. hot packet when you were in, in when well, did you school. when did you guys stay home alone? When did they let you come home from school and go latchkey? You remember? What, like, what grade were you in? Seventh. Oh, so you were 12, yeah. 13. Yeah. So that means you went to daycare until you were 13? Well, after school programs where they would have counselors help you with your homework. So what are after, after school programs? We didn't have those either. Like, poor poor ne- country. Like a private company that would, be, that would rent out a big space. Did they pick you up at school? Or did you have to walk there? You could walk there or they had a gathering place after school ended. And then like a all safe the, place? Yep. And then all the kids, all your friends would meet up there and then we'd all walk to the after days care center okay and then it'd be a safe place yeah. to study and sometimes play video games and interact with the computer like what kind of video game? hold on did you play real video games or are you playing well, like oregon PS3. trail no they had, they had a okay. ps2 ps2 i'm sorry they had a ps no obviously ps1 PS1 probably yeah they had a ps1 um so, like, that was my Tomb first exposure like there's a cool, really cool, and if the counselors were cool mm-hmm. then that would make all the difference and were the counselors like high school kids or no, college like kids college kids okay and like they would bring students, like students probably bring or or you know Kids, guys who graduated from college and worked at like the local collectible game store or something. Really? That's where I learned magic. Wow. That's where I learned. So that's a marketing opportunity. And it's where, I, oh yeah, the guy brought magic and everyone wanted magic. Wizards of the Coast should open these, these after school oh, enter- yeah. uh, education centers. Yep. And, and, then, and then, you know, kids would learn and do homework and everyone would get a, a bagel bite. One bagel bite? One bagel bite. Wow. Jesus. That's like torture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Wes? What was your after school situation? I it was pretty much go home, like either ride the bus home or get picked up by my parents. Yeah. Um, eventually, probably middle school ish age, it would be fine for me to go home if if nobody was there. But I don't. I pretty much never had any kind of after school. Yeah, care. we didn't have anything constructive. Just like taken care of by my parents until preschool age, and then preschool, and then yeah, elementary and on. We had extra, extra, like extracurricular activities or sports stuff. Like you'd go to soccer practice or something right after school sometimes, but or or cross country or whatever. But never, never we ne- we we lived outside the city, outside the school bus zone. So somebody had to drive us to the house. So we were boned if if the parents was forgot. country living after school more dangerous than city living. Um, 
Probably not. I probably. Would, no. I don't think so. I I don't know, dude. I was they would like um, I, we mowed. I mean, we were basically mowing. My sister and I were were in charge of landscaping. So you're saying it was dangerous because you might we had access to power run yourself tools. over with a lawnmower. No, I like I like the keys were in the tractor all the time, and I was completely allowed to drive the tractor as long as I didn't go out on the road. And the tractor wow. is wow. I mean, the, from the time all I can see nine, is Cubert, Cubert Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Oh, on the tractor. Um, yeah, but the difference is I knew how to drive it, so it wasn't a problem. You know, you, you, I didn't ever take anything out. I don't think I might have run over a couple of trees, but they were little, so it didn't matter. They I were think young. Being stranded was probably more of a legitimate risk because I would have to, once I got into middle school, yeah. I would basically get driven to the elementary school, which was like about 12 minutes away from the house, but then have to ride a bus to the middle school or ride a bus oh, to the high school. So you were in like the city, you were, you were outside the normal school bus zone too. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, we had bus routes that went, all the way to the house, but there was kind of a weird stopover mm-hmm. thing. So if I missed a bus in high school that was going home, it was like, I better have a friend who You were the creepy kid sitting at the know? elementary school waiting for the... Uh... No, if I didn't get the bus at the high school, that was it. Oh, okay. Um, See, we had, we had my, like, once, it only happened one time. My parents did really well in 18 years. They only, for over 16 years, only forgot us once. Um, but, but, but no, my, so that's pretty good. So that's pretty good. So dad, it was one of those things where like mom thought dad was picking me up and dad thought mom was picking me up and then neither of them did it. And they both got home and they're like, Hey, where's, didn't you bring Will? And I was, you know, so there I was sitting outside the uh, day without day before cell phones. You were sitting outside in the front of the stoop and yeah, the teachers it was, were it like, it was all because it was time without cell phones. Yeah. When kids enough cell phones, you need a daycare because the parents couldn't, couldn't keep, keep could, up yeah. on them. Yes. It's like nineties sitcoms would not work once they're a cell phone. Oh, God. All the, all the jokes are about people not being able to get in touch with you. Yeah, half of the jokes in Seinfeld are, are where's Kramer, where's George. So, so yeah, um, I think that this stuff is really interesting. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a substitution. I don't, like, like Norm said, it's not something you should substitute for parenting, but it's better than putting the kid in front of the TV. Uh, you know, if you give them the choice to read a book. I, I mean, I think one of the challenges of, of, of people who are having kids now, and Gary and I have talked about this a little bit, is he, he, I think he disagrees with me, but I think like kids growing up today are living in a world of essentially infinite entertainment. And like, I didn't, ha- I did definitely didn't have that. We had three channels when I was a kid. Um, no internet, you know, I had books, but we would go to the bookstore or the library once or twice a month. And when the books ran out, then that was it. I had to go back and read something old or, um, or, or, you know, nothing, read Newsweek or something. Um, so like being presented, like when I think back about it, a lot of my problems when I went to college and stuff like that were that I didn't know how to cope with even a dramatically increased amount of entertainment, whether it was access to the internet or a movie theater that I could walk to or concerts three nights a week or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think when you look at a world where there's Netflix and games on demand, demand from five different console vendors and app stores and, and the web, like figuring out how to manage that is a is is going to be the thing that you have to teach your kids that's more important than a, a lot of other stuff. You don't want to be a kid when you go to college. You you are the sheltered one. No, yeah, it, like if like no, I think putting kids in front of like not not showing kids TV for eighteen years and then sending them to college, they are going to be completely fucked. Oh, we need someone who was like that. He, he turned who out we right. did? Yeah, he turned out all right. Who Butters turned out all right. Oh, Butters is fine. So yeah. do you think it's going to be harder for kids growing up with all that stuff or do you think they'll just kind of take it in? I mean, I think you're much more flexible 
at a young age. Well, I think, I think that that's, I think so. So I guess to put it in context for me, when I went to school, my problem was I needed to learn how to study because I had never had to really study for stuff before because my high school was easy and we didn't have a lot of homework and same for me. And yeah, what I, what I did have, I just didn't class in the hallway between classes and I was done because I was fast. Um, so when I went to college, I didn't, I didn't know how to, how to study at a faster pace than we did in high school because I'd never had to. I could just remember enough to to get A's on everything. Um, and I I think – and part of that was that I was also presented with a boatload of distractions um, and I didn't know how to manage that because I'd always – you know, my parents, even when I was in high school, were like, no, you know, this is as much TV as you're watching every day. Explain so much. What do you mean? Oh, well, I no, I, I'm also – I've always been distracted. Um, but – yeah, it's it's uh I don't know, it's interesting. I mean, the the thing for me is I if it's not interesting then I'm I I have a hard time paying attention to it. And if it's interesting then I can dig in for hours upon hours. It's probably why I like video games. So anyway, that's uh Video games. Yeah. The, the way to it's raise games. your children. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me introduce you to this little game called Postal 2. Um I was thinking Professor Layton, but you could go there. Too. I mean, you know, it's shock and awe. Complete desensitization. I wish we were having twins because then I then I could do the one the put one twin in the ultra violent stuff and one twin you, in the the worst thing a parent can do is subject their children. And I know I, probably many parents have thought about this. Yeah, but subject their children to psychological experiments. Oh, you, just for the sake of novelty. I think you do it with the dog. You can't help well, but do it with the, the dog. The tiger mom did that. Really? That, that was the whole. I point. didn't read the book. The whole point was that she, it was an experiment. I thought she was just a lunatic. No, no, no. She and her husband, yeah, uh, both psychologists, agreed. To raise their children that way, so it's like uh, Lilith Crane. Yeah, very much so. Okay, and it's how she almost lost her child. Well, fair enough. Postal Two is important, if only to teach your kids about Gary Coleman. What? Hold on, Gary Coleman was in Postal Two. Yeah, yeah. Did he wear the white a suit. Huge part about Postal Two. I didn't. Ever, I'm going to go ahead. He's a huge part of the Postal game 2. and the promotion of the game. Mm. He no longer is with us. Rest in peace, Gary Coleman. I voted for you in the California Recall of 2003. Wow. Better than Arnold. Um, so yeah, it's coming in a few weeks. It's three bucks a kid, seven bucks a family for prime members, five bucks a kid, ten bucks a family for non-prime members. Um, and I like that they pulled uh, the advertising and social media hooks and the and the uh, in-app purchases. That makes it seem much less crass and actually worth three dollars a month or seven dollars a month on top of your your prime stuff. I guess if if you were to tell a parent, you know, give up one cup of coffee a month. To give your kid access to good educational material, then that's worth. Well, for for me, it's I'd rather do that and give them something that's interactive where they you know, have the choice than just plop them. I, in front I'm going to take, take a step back and I'm going to now put a stance against the the coffee a month example. Oh, so you think you realize you made a mistake? I, I think yeah. I, I the the example that everyone uses: give up that one coffee a day. That one. Yeah, one trip to a Starbucks it's, a month it's is just gonna blow, one, blah, blah. one trip, one cup of coffee that you give a month, and you could pay for this. That is a bullshit example. For pennies a day, Norm, you could save these starving children. I realize that, but don't. I still would rather have the coffee. Well, I want to have both. So you're saying you'd sacrifice something else instead? The, the coffee adds up. I mean, you, you're if not I, wearing if shoes. I, if, I, if I sponsor thirty children, guess what? That means no coffee ever. Any. Ever, any any day, but you'd save thirty lives. I, I want to think of all those letters you get. You, but where would you read those letters if you aren't sitting at your kitchen table drinking a cup of coffee? I don't think that the people who are donating to those organizations, yeah, 
are saying consciously thinking, okay, I'm going to donate and I'm going to that's to balance my budget. I'm just not going to have that coffee that one day a month. What do you think they cut instead? I don't think they cut anything. I think the whole point is that it's maybe so you get pizza pockets instead of bagel bites. They're cheaper. They're from Totino's. Do you still have bagel bites in your fridge at home? No, God no. When was the last no. time you had a bagel bite? Uh, we had them at the office. Oh yeah, Coons bought them. I thought it was funny Kuntz got those. But anyway. Now, also, bagel bites, the way you eat, the proper way to eat bagel bites is to scoop out all the topping off the top. The topping is the nuclear part that melts the roof of your mouth. Well, you wait a little bit and then you scoop out the top and then you have a bagel. A bagel. It's not a bagel. It's a, mini, a mini piece of bread yeah. that is, has a little bit of sauce and uh-huh. it's nice and soft. I like it uh, crunchy, uh, though. But the bottom part is crunchy. I like the whole thing to be crunchy. No, no, no. I cook them until they're a little brown on top. Nope. I like nope, to get nope. a good brown on them. Nope. Get a crust. You want you want to toast it on the bottom, but soft on the inside. I just, I'm always afraid I'm going to burn the shit out of the roof of my mouth when I eat a bagel bite. It's the number one fear. That probably happened to be the last time I had bagel bites yeah. in like middle school. And I think I'm going to keep it that way the, forever. The pizza rolls. We had a we had a party one time where we had bagel bites because we just got Costco food because we were lazy and people everybody burnt their mouth. It was really bad. It was, a, it was one tragedy after the next. Um... Hey, guess what the Wii U is getting uh, in January, guys? Google Maps. Wow. Way to look at the Google Doc there, Wes. No, I heard about it on Nintendo Direct today (laughs) via the Twitters. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Basically, if you get Google Maps on your Wii U, you can hold up the the gamepad with the screen and use it as a gyroscopic accelerometer-controlled street-viewing machine. I assume that means you can also drive around using the thumbsticks, but I'm not sure about that. Nintendo's president demonstrated it while wearing a bicycle helmet. <laughs> Why is he wearing a bicycle helmet? <laughs> because he's precious. I thought you were going to say because Japan for a minute there. No, he's, he's, he is probably... Is he, does he like have seizures or something? Or was this to illustrate no, it was like the, the realistic the nature? Street View. They they do little like weird, not skits so much, but kind of they get they get into it. I feel like I need to watch more Japanese press. It's like Miyamoto conducting the orchestra. The the president the play? of Nintendo is probably the coolest president of any corporation. Is that Iwata san? Yeah, just okay. just for his willingness to be silly i guess well, at d3 like, press conferences he's always good i mean he recently said they, they do these nintendo directs now yeah they've been doing in the lead up to the wii u launch and everything just talking about features and he recently said he didn't expect people to be so interested in them but as long as people were willing to watch a 50 year old man talk about video games he would continue to do them well he his 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 stand what is, what is reggie what does reggie think about that Reggie's a 50-year-old man. Reggie's a tough dude. I saw Reggie in an elevator one year at E3 and didn't recognize him. So that was awkward. Phil's a me? Phil, Phil, what, 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 what game publication do you write for? No, no, he didn't have a badge on. Are you fucking kidding? He doesn't wear a badge. <laughs> um, it, was at the, it was worse because it was at the Santa Monica E3 with the first or second one. I don't remember which one. They only but did I, it one year. No, they did it two years. It's, oh, yeah, two years in Santa Monica. I, I jumped terrible. in the elevator... Like I jumped in the elevator at the last minute as the door were closing and I got in there. It was like Reggie and his handler. And I, and I was like, Oh, hi, how are you doing? I, you know, I was like, thanks for holding the elevator for me. Cause they clearly didn't fucking hold the elevator for me. And, um, he asked me what I liked and it was the year they launched the Wii. So I was like, I think the Wii looks pretty cool. And I also am really excited about rock band. So, you know, that was, it was a good talk. Wait, the year they launched the Wii was in, still in LA. Uh, no, that was the year before they launched the Wii. 
2006 was 2006 launch. was launch, and that was in L.A. The, the, the year that was crazy launch so was the year Spielberg. after the launch. The year after the launch was Santa Monica. Yeah, so that was, must have been the first year of Santa Monica. Because I remember being in college in 2006 during my one of the last weeks of finals. It might and, have been the year they launched And the I, I said, center. oh, I could fly, buy a ticket right now and go to L.A. and wait in line to play the Wii, and I chose not to. That was a smart move. Nintendo dances on a very fine line of funny, awkward videos yeah. demonstrating their games and cringeworthy, awkward videos demonstrating their yeah. games. And I think they're probably more often on the cringeworthy side. But we've got to keep people watching somehow. Yeah, I, they, they do okay with, with some of them. Uh, I'm going to subscribe to that Nintendo Direct Twitter channel. That sounds, sounds very entertaining. Um, I, I was watching TV the other day, and I happened to watch ads, which doesn't happen very often. Because you pay for the TV. I pay for the TV. Every so time you watch an watch ad, ads. It's, it's money being thrown away. I fucked up somehow. Um, but sometimes, sometimes, like I was helping decorate the tree, so the remote it was too. It was easier to suffer through a couple of ads. So what you're saying is that TiVo needs like some type of audio or gesture type connect. Yeah, Xbox TiVo super fast. Where you can TiVo fast can, like. You can st- if it recognizes that you're glaring at the TV or something, yeah, or here's frowning the cue. Then, then it perks up, and then you draw like you, you they could do like a minority report, no, or you do, or, and just go nope. I would love to be up. able to mute the TV by and just then, yelling "shut up." What what you do is just go do 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 and then it fast forwards, and you go and when it's time to stop, it's that easy. TiVo should get on that. Yeah, it's the next next generation of TiVo. Anyway, I saw an ad for AT&T Home Broadband, and it really made me sad because it, it, uh, it highlights exactly what's wrong with home broadband in the U.S. today. The ad was for AT&T's Triple Play, which in some areas is DSL and in some areas is um, U-verse, which is their kind of super fast DSL thing, uh, fiber, to the, fiber to the general vicinity. I don't think it's to the doorstop. And the ad, the whole point of the ad, the whole selling point was – Hey guys, if you sign up for our home broadband, we promise not to jack up your rate for two whole years. They didn't say, hey, we're faster or we're better or we're cheaper or we're more awesome or more reliable or any of that nonsense. It was just sign up now and we won't fuck you for at least two years. So basically, if you don't sign up, then you know that they're going to raise the prices. Well, no, I think, I mean, I think they're, I think they're, I think that it's more a sad commentary on the state of broadband because they're, the response, and Wes pointed this out. The reason they're saying this is because usually you sign up for the, uh, for the promotional rate and it's with Comcast and it's good for what, six months, three months, a usually year, about maybe? Six months, yeah. Um, and then they jack up the rate and you're paying twice as much, twice what you, what you thought you were going to pay. Um, I'm, I'm on a two year deal with Comcast. Shoot, I'm, I'm you're close. probably coming up. We're, we're coming close. You got to call your guy. I, I know uh, quite a few people have posted guides online to getting Comcast to give you a discount or a, a low rate when you threaten to cancel. Like apparently there's a very yeah, I mean, and you maybe you feel like it's taking advantage of like the it's company. like press one, press um, three, press seven, press one, basically press three. like that. Except dealing with real people, you, and bots and the stuff. Script. Like yeah, right, you, yeah, you, you we walk through the script. Cancel. C A N C E L, all caps. Okay. There is a, a way, I guess, to manipulate or work through the system. I'm always afraid to do to, that. Yeah, because what if they actually do cancel? Then I'm really then I got problems. No, the, no, no, no. See, the trick with Comcast is that the promotional rate only you can always sign up for promotional rate as long as you are a new customer. Okay, and the way you are considered a new customer in the fine print is if you are no not a Comcast if you have not been a Comcast subscriber for 
I think, two months or something. Oh, wow. So all you do is switch between you and Gina. Oh, piece of cake. Yeah. And just keep on getting the promotional rate. Well, we'll have I don't, a third I don't person need, soon. I, I don't need to rent the modem. I, 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 can, I, I have, modem I have my own modem. Exactly. I already bought my own modem. Exactly. It's $80. So you got, are you switching? 20 months worth of yeah. use, and I'm, I'm in the clear. Um, yeah, I, I, I find that really sad making the AT&T ads. Uh, also, this week, NASA announced their 20-year plan, or 30-year plan, I guess, for Mars exploration. A uh, couple of really interesting things coming up. Uh, first one is cur- essentially Curiosity 2. What's the subtext, sub subline for that? Do they have one? Like Curiosity, curiosity harder, harder or Curiouser, Curiouser and Curiouser. Anyway, uh, they're taking uh, some of the leftover parts, like the spare parts for the current MSL Curiosity uh, adding extra instrumentation, different cameras, better cameras, perhaps. Uh, and they're thinking in 10 years they'll launch that and, and we'll have another rover. Um, there were also a couple of plans uh, that had to do with the ESA and Russian space agencies that, are, of course, none of this is funded right now. It's just, it's just the plan um, to do coring samples and look for methane and stuff like that. Uh, and then the, with the ultimate goal 20 to 30 years down the line of landing human beings on Mars. From from what I read, the new rover that'll be launched or built in 2020 or whatever is it sounded to me like it was within the I guess the scope of their budget or something. So, assuming their budgets don't, uh, yes, yeah, the current budget as planned. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, it's not guaranteed, but it's it's not like a pie in the sky. Oh well, if we get so much money, we can do this. Like it seems like <laughs> sounds like a Kickstarter. It, yeah. it seems like a pretty, oh man, that'd be awesome. A we pretty no, would not kickstart awesome. Mars. No. Um. Well, the, so the thing about the thing about that is it's all dependent on other stuff, like the current overruns on the James Webb Space Telescope, or such that they basically can't do anything until they get that thing launched and in space, because um, it's costing a shitload of money every year. Um, there were stories about I don't know a month or six weeks ago um, around the presidential election that there was a pretty large budget um, in the works that was had the plans laid out for eventual human travel to asteroids and right. Mars um, that hasn't I guess has not been confirmed yet, but it sounded at the time like it was was pretty legitimate. Well, so a, a lot of the problem with that stuff, because there was a plan for Mars. Well, there's a plan for a moon, moon base on, I think George Herbert Walker, like it was George Herbert Walker Bush's legacy on his way out. Um, it was a moon base. Yeah. That would have been up by now, 20 years from then in 1995. Um, Holy crap. Yeah. The problem with stuff that takes that Lake long, Riker. <laughs> the problem with stuff that takes that long is, um, if it has to go through multiple presidencies, then it, usually that's the first thing that gets cut in budgets. Yeah. So when you're looking at a 20 year plan, unless like I, I can't remember who it was that said it, but some uh, I, in one of the books I read about the Apollo uh, mission said that it, had Kennedy not been shot in 1963, if he if he had not been reelected in 1964 instead, who, who knows if the Apollo program would have survived the the in the space race? So, um. Because that was his his lasting legacy, the American people got behind it, and everybody was afraid to kill it. Um, so yeah. So the story goes right now, even though Obama did cut funding from NASA a few years ago, yeah, um, or at least didn't stop it from being cut. It, yeah, it supposedly there is a plan that will mean more money for for cool space stuff 
in the next yeah. few years, hopefully. And useful space stuff, too. That would be pretty awesome. Um, and then the last thing on the list is Mitsubishi is bailing on DLP after, what, about 10 years of DLP sets, I guess? Seems like a long time. Why are they bailing on DLP, Wes? I think nobody's buying them. <laughs> because they're fat? I would assume so. And not I mean, P-H-A-T, just F-A-T. And even though they, I think, are relatively inexpensive for, you know... They're super inexpensive. For large TVs, yeah. LCDs are still just so cheap now. Like Not when you get up to... I mean, when Not you for to, the same size, yes, but enough yeah. people can go to Walmart and buy a $400 40-inch LCD. More people are buying 37 to 42 inch. I think 42 is probably the sweet spot. Uh, the range is probably 40, 37, 35 to 47 um, for most... For, when you're talking about bedrooms to living rooms mm-hmm. for a standard household and tlp really only made sense if you were buying a tlp tv 60 70 80 inches uh bigger than inch. bigger bigger than lcds typically are sold in because when you're looking at a 60 inch lcd you're looking at 3500 dollars and up usually right and you could buy a 70 inch dlp for 1500 bucks yeah i mean the other thing i wonder about is the people who have those holes in their house for the old crt re- uh, projection screens remember you used that to deep Oh yeah, they used. To, I'm no, no, saying no, the, the DLPs. DLPs weren't. But if you have a big hole in your in your rec room for like a four foot deep CRT projection TV, then you can put a DLP set in there and you don't even notice it's thick. Um, yeah, and, no, it's, and, and it's and stupid cheap. Who hangs LCDs on their walls anyway? Um, I we every time we've thought about doing it, we've stopped because it's a big pain in the ass. It's it makes it hard to move. Incredible pain in the ass. And it's going to put a big giant hole in the wall in a real weird place, probably. So. Yep. So yeah, um, DLP's bailing. I guess that means Toshiba's still doing them, I think, but that's probably it. The end of the DLP for TV sets. Still in projectors. But the mirrors. The mirrors are still in projectors. All the cheap projectors are DLP's the, the projectors. Yeah, tiny little mirrors. I can see the mirrors. So if you like Mitsubishi, buy a truck or something. Or an Eclipse. Do they still make Eclipses? It was also a, a Plymouth something or other. I don't remember. Uh, I'm going to play some music, unless there's any other news, and then let's talk about what we've been testing. Hey, Norman Chan. Mm-hmm. Hey, Will Smith. Uh, you went for a ride in a Tesla S yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I went for a ride, ago. and I went to drive a Tesla. You, One of our readers, um, Christian Huffman, who lives in the South Bay, uh, invited us to go uh, spend a day with him in his Tesla. He is... One of the very first owners of a Tesla Model S, that's the electric car sedan, and uh, he reserved it back in 2009. So this is a car that he reserved, waited several years, and, and then paid $100,000 to buy. So by reserved, you mean he put money down? Put money down. It's like yeah. three years ago, yeah. Significant money down. Um, the Tesla Model S uh, ranges from $57,000 all the way to $100,000 uh, with a, I think, $7,000 government uh, credit tax credit so that just comes off the top of your taxes i, I think so um and uh they're only shipping the high-end models oh wait no, no tax credits are when you get that like that counts against your tax bill yes you so if you owe twenty thousand dollars in taxes you have a seven thousand dollar tax credit you, yeah. get, you only owe thirteen thousand yes okay sorry um and uh the they're, they're shipping they ship most of they made a thousand signature cars and they ship those but those are the ones uh, that have the f- big battery, 300 mile battery. Yeah. And really the, pr- the big difference is getting a battery that's 150, 160 miles to 300 miles. 300 miles makes trips to LA possible, I think. And 300 miles means you can make a trip to LA and stop one time and fill up on electricity and then 
continue all the way down to LA. Yeah. And then have money to drive, uh, have power to drive around and then stop on the way back at the yep. same place probably. Um, that's, I think that's super interesting. How was it? Uh, it was a great car. Uh, it feels very powerful. I think the uh, power equivalent was around uh, 300 horsepower also. Uh-huh. Um, there's a sports model that goes up to 400 horsepower. Costs a little more. This wasn't it. Is um, the motor different or is it just different software on it, do you think? Or do you know? I do not know exactly what difference is huh. between the motors. Uh, I think it is a – I'm not I'm not sure. I, th- I think it's the same motor with some di- a different way of did of doing power. So I got to drive a Roadster a few years ago, a Tesla Roadster a few years ago, and it was a dramatically – it was a, a wildly different um, sensation. Like the way the acceleration works in that car is is really different. Well, there's no buildup. Because – yeah, well, and there's no shifting. So you don't have you don't have a transition. The, the power curve is the same all the way up to 60 miles linear. an hour linear. And it's a very than, steep curve. Yeah. So it's the moment is, is, you press is your, the same? your foot on the pedal, yeah. you are moving. Like and and yeah, it's and, it's, it's and almost you, like the throttle in a boat, except for without friction. Yes, yeah, so there, water. There is yeah, your foot goes down on pedal, and you are accelerating till you hit you know comfortable sixty seventy miles per hour. And it has traction control and all that stuff. I'm yeah, sure, so you don't course. so you don't peel out. Um, uh, what else? T- tell me about the car. Um, it's a very nice car. It doesn't. It does not feel like or look like. Unlike the Roadster, which is a converted Lotus, doesn't look like a car that was made by a company, you know, that didn't exist ten years ago. You, so it feels mature. It feels it feels like a car that was that could have been made by a Toyota or you know probably a, a nicer European car. Okay, um, maybe the fit and finish wasn't as polished. I think as like like a Beamer or a Lexus. As you'd hope for that much money. Um, like the design of the interior is nice, but that seventeen inch LCD panel is right in the middle. It's not curved or anything. Um, and it's a big screen too. Like I, well, seventeen I, inches. Yeah, I, I mean, seventeen inches doesn't seem big if it's on your desk, but it it seems it it seemed really big when we were sitting in the car at, at CES. Um, yeah, and it's really cool. I, I think the UI stuff could be streamlined a little bit. Uh, it still has. I mean, the seventeen inch screen is vertical, so it's in this portrait position that has basically a menu at the top with buttons, a menu at the bottom for climate control, and then two windows. Space for two windows that are interchangeable, mm-hmm. but they still feel like windows with little X's on the top right hand corner when you move them around. Did it lock um, stuff out when you were in motion or not so much? Nope. Nothing gets locked out. Wow. Yeah. So they just trust you not to be an asshole. You can browse the web. Wow. You can post on Twitter. Idea. Does it have voice commands for that stuff? Does it have a Google no. Now? No Google now. It's Linux based, right? Uh, Linux based. It's maps is Google Maps though. Okay. Uh, and I didn't like that the maps, uh, the streaming. I mean, it was on eighteen T three G, so you were actually the maps were loading as we're driving, mm-hmm. and also on the console the maps don't orient, so north is always up on the screen. Oh, but well, you'd expect that with a GPS though. The map orients in the direction you're going. No, that's that's what I want. This, this oh, this it does this, orient, so the map is always north. The map is always up, so it looks like oh. you're moving across from left to right. If you're moving oh, you can't space. change that? Not on the main console. Super weird. Yeah. Does it have the, the Google Maps like for Android-type functionality where you can just download a chunk of You can download o- offline maps. Oh, that's um, good because so uh, AT&T 3G is spotty on the West Coast. And so given the, the range you're going to typically drive yeah. the Tesla anyway, you're not gonna you get. can download your you know, couple yeah. counties right. and you're good. Right. Yeah. So th- that's, that's going to be a firmware update. So what does it cost? Like what? What did you did you talk to him about? What his cost was for? Like I assume the cost for driving it is really really low, super low. And uh, like these supercharger stations that are basically fr- there are free for Tesla owners to fill at. So uh, there's one at the went to the Gilroy uh, outlet malls and okay, um, it was like a forty minute drive. So, so did you guys go down there? We went down there and you could 
you can charge there, fill it up, forty miles free. So you how do does a little shopping? And you just like plug it in and go have lunch or something, do some shopping. Yeah. So what then... happens when you plug it in is because at the superchargers they will charge three hundred miles in one hour, which wow. is the maximum charge. Yeah. Uh, the fastest charge you can get, uh, and there the there is no gas tank. So on the back left side light, mm-hmm. there's a little hidden in the back light is a little panel that flips out when you put the charger near it when you press the button, and then that charger locks on, locks like in mag, mag grip. Yeah, so you can plug it in, leave it there, huh. walk away, and then come back. And is that the same thing you put in your the one you put in your garage isn't quite that fast. The one right? you put in your garage is 65 miles per hour maximum. And the 220 volt. You mean is 65 miles of charge. Miles, miles of, charge. of charge. Okay. Yes. And does it do regenerative? Which is a weird, a weird. Yeah, it's weird, a weird way to think about it. Yeah. But that means, and, and and so then your cost on the electricity, at least for the for the guy who I know who has the the roadster, he said he pays like a dollar sixty a day to drive from like San Francisco five, to San Jose. Between five and ten bucks for a full charge. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is very nice, especially when gas is like for a nice car like that. Yeah. Where you have to pay for the premium gas. Uh, a full tank, if you want to go 300 miles on a car, would be like sixty, seventy dollars. Yeah, full tank of, of cheap gas for my car is is fifty five, sixty dollars. So, so uh, it does have regenerative braking. It's very aggressive regenerative braking. So the moment you take your foot off the accelerator, yeah. you are slowing down immediately. Okay, there is no drift. You're, you're when you're driving down a freeway. And you want to maintain 65, uh-huh. it is not tap, let go, tap, let go, as it is with the Oh, you just kind of keep your foot just you got to keep on. your foot on it. Huh. That's or use cruise control. Huh. And uh, is, it, is it all fly-by-wire? Is the whole car fly-by-wire? Just the gas and brake? Yeah. Is the, the steering wheel too? Yes. Wow, so it's not even... Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Well, mm, I bet I, the steering wheel is I bet the steering wheel is, yeah. Hydraulic. Well, no, well, there's, there's sport mode, I guess... Because you can change the steering, the sensitivity of the steering wheel on the fly. But that um, could just be adjusting the the gearing of the hydraulics, like the way but, the hydraulics. But you, work. you can do that while you're driving as well. Yeah, but it's it, like if it's a hydraulic system, they just make yeah. they pump more fluid or less fluid in, maybe to tighten it up or bring yeah. it in. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's it, it seemed really interesting. The video turned out really great. I thought I wasn't able to go that day, unfortunately, but um, a, it looked like it would have been car. a little full in the car anyway. So I think for the price, those things are pretty incredible. I mean, fifty grand is expensive for a car but it's not that expensive for a luxury car and the fact that this is like is totally different than well i I do like the the big difference i mean of course like all car manufacturers are tons of different little options you can do uh like you know bigger rims and the the sport mode and, and the battery is the biggest option like when you're talking about the three models yeah uh the battery will have to be replaced eventually Okay. And the hope of all Tesla owners is one that Tesla Motors will still be around, <laughs> um, you know, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, um, God, ten years terrifying. from now, most likely. And yeah. two, uh, that the batteries will be cheaper or p- potentially ha- hold more capacity. So they're banking on the future. So even if someone bought a the the cheapest car now, the fifty seven thousand model, a fifty thousand fifty seven thousand dollar hundred fifty mile model now, they could hope that ten years down the line they could pay. An extra ten thousand dollars, and then swap that out for three hundred. Norm, you know what we always say about buying things for their potential and not for what they are. Don't don't do that. Buy for you now. Yeah. Still though, how many people buy a car expecting to drive it for ten years? That I think ten years is like ten years is how long I drive my cars. If you're buying a new car, you should drive it for ten years, unless yeah, yeah. I mean, expecting like. But but by that standard, like having to buy a new car at the end of that ten years wouldn't be any worse 
a worse position than you would be in if you bought a gas car. That's probably true. I don't know. Gas cars. I mean, if you take good care of a gas car at this point, it'll last much longer. Than I think you're years. right because this is a luxury market, and I don't think a lot of people in the luxury market own car for ten years and then upgrade the, just like the engine in that car. They probably just buy another luxury car, right? Um, and in that case, this is extremely expensive for hundred thousand dollars. So Tesla has the yeah. So Model what, what's X. A, what's the comparable on like gas cars in that range? Like the the like at a hundred thousand dollars, you're talking about a crazy Mercedes, right? It's not. It's not like it's like a big six series or something you can like get a, that, a right? Entry level six series for hundred thousand yeah. dollars, or you can get a five uh, series BMW. Yeah, five series BMWs are sorry, fifty five thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Uh, you can get a seven series BMW, or you can get like a really a used Porsche or something, like it'll, a nine eleven. It'll be really interesting to see how the lifetime costs in fuel, battery versus gas, and maintenance. Yeah. So they're banking on yeah, batteries yeah. getting cheaper, electricity charging stations getting more common. Uh, commonplace and gas getting more expensive. Plus, the, the one thing we also noticed is because we parked this car to shoot the video, uh, it was in the mall, so there and, and it was in the corner of a mall, so not even like near the main parking area. Yeah, everyone who walked by it stopped and looked at it, and pe- even though we were shooting the video, people would just go up and put their faces in the window and kind of stare inside because <laughs> like, clearly someone dude's car. But everyone would just go, like walk around. Well, but like, if you're paying that much for a car, you want that kind of attention. So. You're driving down the road, driving down the freeway, you got thumbs up for some kids driving by. So it's like, did people do the big rig sound? Like you, you, you kids were the are, no, kid, you know, kids. It's like you know South Bay, Cupertino, Mountain View area. Oh yeah, like tech area. So lots of people looking out and waving and giving the oh you got a Tesla thumbs up. Some dude with the Chevy Vault just shook his head. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the legitimate future car. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, You're paying for the attention also. Well, I mean, it's, and if you did you ever see Tucker or Man in His Dream? It's a fantastic Jeff Bridges movie. I think it's a Disney movie. But it's about the Tucker automobile. And I don't know if you know about the Tucker, but it was this guy had a crazy idea and wanted to build, um, build a, a, a car uh, that was safer than other cars in the 40s, late, late 50s, early 50s, late 40s, I think. Um, so he had all these crazy ideas about making the whole front fenders turn so that the lights would turn into curves and and you know having having safety belts and things like that in these cars. Wait, safety belts? Safety belts. Why would you need those? I thought, I don't know. I mean, we have airbags now. You don't need seat belts anymore. Um, but he he uh, and then of course the big four auto manufacturers had him killed basically. So uh, it was kind of a dark turn. Sounds for, uplifting. Yeah, poor dude. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see this happen and it's kind of, it's, I don't know. It's, it seems like a good, it seems like they're doing, making good cars, which makes it a lot easier to like them. So Tesla, I would uh, drive one if somebody gave it to me. So you, <laughs> yeah, that sounds fair. Uh, how much did the charging stations, what, like a grand to put in your garage? Probably. Uh, I don't know the exact amount, but the PG and E doesn't, or the whatever the extra company is needs to come out and put yeah. that, install it. And the nice thing is, because it's charged at a different rate. If you, well, yeah, you, it changes the whole rate for your power if you, if you have a smart meter too. Yeah, and the, the car is smart enough to, to know that if you plug it into the wall, you can set for you, you can leave it plugged in at night, but set for when it actually charges. Yeah, so it won't start charging until you get to the cheap, 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 yeah. cheap power at midnight or whatever time it is. Yep. Um. Then, so Tesla's. Now they have the Roadster and the Model S. Well, the Roadster's the, gone. You can't buy those anymore. So they have the Model S, and the next car they have is the uh, Model X, which is exactly the same price as the Model S, but it's a SUV. Is it still um, going to be Gullwing? It is. It's they call it Falcon Wing. Um, wow. And so they're going to fill out. They have a sedan. 
How are you going to get out of that car in the garage? Uh, it does not open out. It folds in, so it does not actually increase the wingspan. Oh, okay. It but it doesn't go up? It, does, it goes kind of cl- folds and collapses in. Oh, okay. Um, are you going to get an they, SUV, Norm? They have a sedan. They have an SUV. They will have an SUV, and so what they're missing is probably a coupe. So my best bet is that their next car after that is a coupe. I don't think they're going to get any more affordable. Uh, I think that if well, there's you wanna, no reason for them to be more affordable right now. No, they are a premium car line. Yeah. But what they'll probably do is probably license their battery technology to other companies. Battery and drivetrain. Yeah. It's, so you you might see like Toyotas or you know. Well, if you look at Fords if you type of if companies. you look at what happened, um, it, and they may even just license key parts of the technology because you know Toyota has a pretty good. Uh, uh, drivetrain, uh, um, regenerative drivetrain right now. They might just lease out the battery and, and motor side uh, the same way Toyota did bits and pieces to Ford for their, few, yeah, for their hybrids. We could easily see five years down the line that most cars are uh, most new cars are hybrid cars and like, like five years ago or ten years ago from today where the hybrids were the anomalies and, and yeah. more people were getting them, the electric cars would be that way. The big difference is still um, – the big challenge for them facing them is still the charging outside of California. Because, I mean, we have, we have a f- fair number and growing of electric charging stations here. But if you're if – you're, I mean, that car is undrivable most other places in the United States. Well, you can plug into a regular three-prong wallet. Yeah, but but if you need to go more than to work and home and the groceries, if you're if you're borderline on that 300 mile range, you're boned. Yes. You can't take the car. You have to take the other car. It's going to be a really long time until that's the kind of car you can buy and think realistically. If I ever want to go on a road trip or move to some other state, yeah, I can do that with this car. It's still more practical than something like the Leaf, though, because at least with the 300 mile range on the high end version of that, you can drive. You can, you can do real like. It's unusual. I usually drive 600 miles a week at, on big weeks when I'm driving a ton, and that's multi, over multiple days and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Whereas with the Leaf, which was I think like a 75 mile round trip, you, you I mean that's a, it's not something you plug in every single night basically if you drive like normal people. That's basically a city car. It's a, yeah. If you it's, don't live in the city, you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, I've spent some time with Windows Phone 8. It's actually been a little while since I, since I actually used the phone. Uh, we just shot the quick look this morning. Uh, it'll be up early next week. You should just watch it. It's, it's, um, it's an iterative improvement. It's a, it, it, I, I understand that a lot of stuff changed under the hood of the OS uh, between Windows Phone 7 and Windows Phone 8. But it is really – it's unfortunate because the cosmetic changes and the kind of functionality changes don't seem to warrant – uh, the 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 shift that happened moving from the old Windows Phone 7.5 kernel to the NT kernel. So you're saying even if it's... Yeah, I can't hear anything. Hello. Did you just turn? I hit a button. <laughs> my, my finger... I was adjusting my volume and I hit the button. Um, so do you think that the... the the shift that leaves a bunch of people who are on Windows Phone 7 kind of screwed is worthwhile, but it just doesn't appear that way because it kind of the OS still looks the same. I mean, I think probably it was necessary. I, I don't think they would have done it if it wasn't necessary because it, it, it is a bad move for the people who are left behind. Um, they didn't sell that many of those phones on the on the first go round, so it didn't screw that many people. And they're also making these new phones relatively inexpensive, at least on a on a purchase basis. So it's it's you know it could be worse. Um, I'm still not really thrilled. 
I find it the thing that actually is worse is the way they were selling the the original Lumia phones last spring when they were like, "Look, this is the this is the Windows Phone to have. It's the future of Windows Phone." And then seven months later, they're like, "Nope, cutting support. Sorry, guys." Um, that's the stuff that I think is super unfortunate. And and had had they not had they handled that part better, I don't think people would have been upset about the transition to Windows Phone eight. Um, but it, it, I mean, on the other hand, it's hard to come out and say, "Hey, we got these new super partners with Windows Phone, and by the way, the phone that we're selling is going to be supported effectively supported for six months before we have something better." So you know, it was a it was a bad situation either way for them. I, I think it's shitty a shitty way to treat your customers. Um, but the OS is quite nice. I mean, the the a lot of the stuff has stayed the same. Stuff like mail and calendar is all essentially unchanged. Um, multitasking works really well now. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a whole we talked about it for an hour. So just go watch. If you're interested in Windows Phone 8, go watch the video. Um, it's 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 quite good. Uh, Wes, you've been testing powerline powerline networking stuff. I did, yeah, a couple weeks ago uh, for the wire cutter. I basically looked through a bunch of reviews on Small Net Builder. Okay, um, which is a really great site. They have tons of benchmark stuff and lots of uh, leaderboards for their best reviewed products. Um, and settled on two that were kind of the the best of the bunch, um, a Netgear and a, a TrendNet Powerline adapter. Um, They're both 500 megabit, uh, which is pretty new for Powerline. Like just two or three years ago, everything was 200 megabit. Yeah. And now they're all 500. There are still 200 ones, but 500 are kind of the way to go. When they were rated 200 megabit, you don't you never get those speeds. And ex- exactly, and the 500 megabits are the same. Is um, it like a 15, 20 percent overhead or closer to 10? They say they can do 500 megabit, and the highest speed that you're going to see, at least from small net builders tests, and I think they probably got the best out of them they could possibly get. Okay, um, is about a hundred up or a hundred down. So your total. Throughput. Oh, combined. Your, yeah, your combined throughput is going to be like 220 max Ooh. megabits. Well, I mean, if you think about – so so the, the the use case for these devices is when you have an apartment or a home that doesn't have Ethernet wired through the building. And you can't put it in yourself or, yeah. it, or it would be a colossal pain in the Yeah, ass. I mean if you have a multi-story house putting and no crawl space, putting Ethernet in the ground floor requires cutting out walls or being really, really dexterous. In many cases, those are old houses, and the wiring, electrical wiring, is old enough in those houses that Powerline won't even help. That's, that's the problem I had. Is when I, when the last time I tested Powerline, I was in a place that had fuses and, and multiple electrical panels. Like glass fuses? You have to go, glass fuses, yeah. Oh um, San Francisco, sh- shitty San Francisco apartments, right? Um, and, and so... When you not only that, but it bled over into the other neighbors' households, and they were encrypted and stuff, similar to like WEP or WPA. But still, you're if multiple people were using those in one neighborhood, you'd see six networks, and it would be real, real weird. The um, box you have right now is just the switches that go left to right and circuit breakers. Circuit breaker. Yeah, oh, I want a circuit breaker that requires that you pump it like in Jurassic Park. You can get those; they have to be really big. <laughs> that that push, thing was a push, fuel push. primer, though. I think it, they called it a circuit breaker in the movie. It was for priming fuel in a pump. I think, but um, anyway, I got so, some some good info from Netgear just about the the general challenges that face all powerline network stuff, and kind of just clarified, you know, why um, having an adapter plugged in, you know, across the house, like fifty feet away, versus you know the same outlet or a couple rooms away, mm-hmm. uh, you get why you get lower speed, and it's all about the number of circuits you have in your house, and every time the signal crosses a circuit, it, it 
gets weaker, yeah. uh, more interference, and like even having um, the the network adapter, the power line adapter, plugged into an outlet that has like a lamp plugged into it, that can create the wrong kind of lamp, right? Yeah, that can create interference. Plug power it strips. In. Power strips are bad. Um, so the takeaway that I got from from testing. Um, I got way lower speeds than small net builder did, which was probably a combination of the way circuits are laid out in our house Mm -hmm. and the distance, um, that I had the plugs plugged in from each other, uh, and the computer I was using to test, like they have way better, you know, they have some serious software for testing stuff. Um, but I found that the trend net was the one I, I liked better because it was like 30 bucks cheaper. It's like 60 bucks for two of them. Um, well, that's, that, I mean, and and if you're looking for something that if you need better throughput than you get with wireless, maybe more reliable for something like streaming ripped Blu-rays or something to a media center, something some high bit rate internal task, then then that makes sense. You use that for that one leg, and then use Wi-Fi for everything else. Exactly, and you get what you need. And what I found was the Netgear was actually it's like the fastest one on the market mm-hmm. right now, but it's only the Spec-wise, fastest. Yeah, it's only the fastest plugged in to the same outlet. And it's oh, quality, Jesus. yeah. Which you can't. Why it, are you going to do that? That does, that does nothing. Uh, and not to say that it was bad plugged into other outlets, but its advantage uh, lessened the further apart yeah. the plugs got. So even though the TrendNet didn't have as high peak speeds, by the time I got to the furthest away outlet, like a real world situation, yeah. Which is the only way you're going to ever use these power line adapters is if you have two points that are. 50, 100 feet apart in your house. But what if I only have one wire. foot long, two one foot long Ethernet cables and I need to connect two computers in the oh. same room? So, I mean, the thing to do, though, if you want to do this, like if you want to plug in the stuff in your entertainment center with a wired connection, you put one of these things in the wall, plug an Ethernet switch into that, yep. and then plug your router into the other end and, 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 and to, into another end and, and it works fine, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So why just, yeah. That's the thing to do. Yeah. So the, the TrendNet performed better over distance. Would um, you recommend any of them, though? I would only for people who have a big enough house uh, and can't run Ethernet wire, like, or are too lazy to. I mean, I would say if you have a house layout that you know would work with Ethernet, yeah. If you want to put in the effort, you should do that. I mean, just to be clear, uh, a lot of people. Do, I mean, for offices, it might be fine. Home offices, but Ethernet. If you're going to well, for home offices, Wi-Fi is probably fine, though realistically sure uh from, but if you're in living rooms you really don't want to have ethernet wire like lining the edge of your oh yeah absolutely living room yeah, ceilings I, and walls i think well but i mean if you have a crawl space or an attic it, uh, either above or below the room that you want to wire the rooms that you want to wire it is dead i mean it's a half day work to run a cable from to one cable from one point to another if all you need to do is connect one room i think we're getting to the point where wi-fi is just going to be good enough yeah. Um, but I did find that it was a bit faster than our router was uh, at kind of extreme ends of the house. Yeah. And that's – Wi-Fi is going to get better and at some point it's just going to be good Well, AC is just around the corner for again. For everything, yeah. But, but right now, like if, if you wanted to spend you know, $180 to get a top-of-the-line router or 60 bucks to do power line, that's probably going to get you – slightly better speed at extreme ends of the house you know it's it's not a terrible option well and 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 the nice thing about the wired connection even with the power line is you you're not if you're operating at the edge of what the wireless is capable of and somebody gets up and runs runs across the room or stands between the the receiver and the antenna the router then it then it doesn't drop which is nice too so 
Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, Powerline Networking. Trendnet is the one you recommend. Yeah, Trendnet. You can see um, find that on Wirecutter.com. It's up now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been testing. Well, I, so I've been building Tetris shelves. I wanted to build shelves for the kids' room. Um, I saw some 3D printed. Tet- yeah, Tetraminos. Tetraminos. I would say Tetraminos, but that's probably a wrong pronunciation. I have a history of that, you know. Um, so I figured out the the measurements for them. And then rather than build like I, I was I was I was wanted to make sure that they fit together right. Because if they don't fit together right and you build Tetris shelves, that's kind of embarrassing. You've wasted a shitload of money on wood and a lot of time. Uh so I I did them in one, two, three D design, the the free CAD program from Autodesk. Uh and and then with that I was able to export an STL file that I could print on our MakerBot. And I really quickly realized that no, I had fucked up the measurements and and learned uh, that I had that I had made a mistake and needed to redo, go back to the drawing board. Is there any way to spin messed up Tetris shelves as modern art? Probably, yeah. So my question to you is: When you're building Tetris shelves, do you do you leave gaps as if the person who was making the shelves was bad at Tetris? No, no, no. See, no. I think you want to show that failures. This is for a child's room. You want to show that failures okay. You okay? I mean, your I could I could okay. tire mom that. Yeah, your failure is okay. Well, when you put it that way, it's like a really bad, bad idea. That's the message you're yeah. sending. Yeah, don't fuck up. Put a bomb in the one by one square. Um, I am gonna hang a shelf up above, like it's falling into the, into the other shelves. I think that's, that's, that's a good cool. idea. Yeah, so, and leave a space, perfect space. Yeah, perfect space for and, it, but not make it the long. It's not the lo- no. It's gonna be an S. I don't no, know. No, you don't way. want the S. You want the L. Well, so I'm gonna leave some dead spaces because I want to have. A, I want. I need to have. Like they need to be functional too. They can't just be cool looking. So there's going to be some like I'm not going to have them all flat on the bottom probably I haven't decided yet I got to figure out what looks the best and for the colors and all that um but yeah so one two three but doing the design mock and 3D printing them let me know that I had that I had measured the I was thinking about it the wrong way because I originally decided it as if the insides as if the insides were the measurement that mattered actually is the outside is the measurement that mattered. Oops. And I I had built it with the wrong thickness of wood. So you could have just gone with the Mario block wall, and that would have been way easier. What's the Mario block wall? Just the PAL blocks? Just like the question yeah, marks? Just like the you know the layout from like Mario World one one or whatever, and have yeah. have the background. And that's too video gamey. See, I can do this, and it won't look super. Like I think this is the kind of thing you look at, and like no, you won't get it if it's not painted the right colors. You've you've seen those rooms on Reddit, right? Where somebody's oh, yeah. like totally just Marioed out the room, and you're like, wow, yeah. that looks cool, and also. Horrifying. Yeah, like I, I when remember when Firefox came out with themes and you could get a Mario theme for your Firefox or your Chrome. I did that for about two hours and was like, "Wow, this is this is really cool for now." But I'm done. Now I go back to normal Chrome, and and I'd be really bummed if I spent a lot of time in my room doing that. And then it's like, oh, it's not a room you want to live in. No, no, I think it would give you nightmares as a small child. So yeah. Anyway, um, also, uh, you know, we, Wes, you, you have a long history with Dolphin, which is the Wii and GameCube editor. I've been, I've been messing around with it for the last emulator. few weeks. I said emulator. You said it real fast. Look, oh. like editor. Emulator. Yeah, I was actually into it enough to buy one of the DVD drives that can read GameCube and Wii discs. So that's not something you can just go to Amazon and get anymore. You have to go no. to eBay and, and stuff. And I actually got really lucky because there are there are like half a dozen or ten or so drives that can read the discs. It's mostly like LG and but, Samsung stuff, right? Yeah, but only one of them is a SATA drive and the rest oh, are, are old wow. uh, IDE drives. And I just happened to, when I was really into wanting to get one so I could rip my games um, and not have to worry about the Wii, um, 
I was just searching the model numbers on eBay and just ha- by happenstance, somebody was selling a couple at that time. And, and so it was like 25 bucks. Oh, so wow. That's a good deal. When you rip a game, how big is the game usually? Like a Marvel um, Galaxy? Um, so when you originally rip it, it's just the disc image itself. Yeah. So it's always going to be like four and a half gigs. It's, mm-hmm. it's empty space and everything. But then you can scrub it. Um, See, I, I don't do that. Yeah, so you can scrub it through. Dolphin will actually do it for you and just compress it down huh. to the game data files. Mm-hmm. Um, and like New Super Mario Bros. Wii is like 350 megabytes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Good God. Um, some of them are bigger, obviously. Like Super yeah. Smash Bros. Brawl is like six gigs. I mean, that's and a huge Oh, it's Mario a dual Brother, desk, I mean, Some right. of those games are like, I guess they're all 3D, but they're all, the assets are all two, 2D, like sprites and stuff. Well, no, so no, it's, they're all it's all 3D, yeah. It's just 3D treated in the a textures, 2D perspective. The textures are all relatively low res, not made for um, high res. Yeah, but if you if you try linear, if you turn on trilinear, because the neat thing about this is you can turn on video card settings. So you can use trilinear and anisotropic filtering. You can turn on anti-aliasing and stuff like that. But that's just going to make whatever's in the f- background look as good as stuff in the foreground. But no, not, the foreground no. is not going to be never going to be. It's never going to add detail more than the artist originally painted for. Yeah, but you, it, you scale the textures down a lot less. So usually, what happens is the textures are smaller, um, and when you anisotropically, even if you're applying the same texture and it's anisotropically filtered, it's going to be crisper and clearer because it's perspective correct in a way that the Wii could never do. And a lot of the games, uh, especially like the the bigger budget or games from better studios, definitely have textures that are. In like the assets are in the game at higher than 480p resolutions. Like if you play something, well, like, but the textures have nothing to do with the. But you're saying they're at higher than they would need to be for 480p right. rendering. So if you play like Donkey Kong Country Returns and yeah. you bump up the internal rendering to you know quad resolution or something, the textures still look really good. Like clearly the the art design and the files in that game are are way better than the Wii than they need to be. Yeah, than the Wii yeah. could could output. Um, and that's not true for all the games, but for the most part, they still look pretty awesome. So, so I started down this path. I'd, I'd looked at it a little while ago, and at the time, ripping discs was hard, and I'm not interested in pirating them. So, you know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do what you did and go hunt eBay for what was probably going to be a four times overpriced optical drive that I may or may not actually use. But in the time between the last time I looked at this and now, the Wii soft mod scene has gotten quite good. Um, and I was able to download, uh, home, uh, download and install the homebrew channel in about 15 minutes. Uh, the homebrew channel is the, it's the equivalent of like jailbreaking your iOS phone or rooting your Android phone. Um, yeah, I found the homebrew channel way easier to install than the loader used to do the ripping and stuff. But this was so a with few the homebrew channel, yeah, you can too. rip from the, the Wii. Well, so with the home, homebrew channel, you can then install an app that will let you rip from the Wii onto a USB on, key. Well, even onto a SD card put in the front slot. So I bought a 32 gig SD card for $10, jammed it in the slot, uh, put clean rip on. The, the, the thing that's changed is that there's a much better version of the ripping software that's not contingent on a whole bunch of low level stuff on the homebrew channel anymore. Um, you put clean rip in and just use the Wiimote and answer like you say. Do you want to save it on a USB drive? Do you want to save it on a on, a, on the front SD card? Um, uh, it asks what kind of disc it is, so you have to go look that up to make sure it's not a dual layer disc. And and then you let it rip. Uh, and it takes about take? thirty minutes for a for a, a ten minutes for a GameCube game, about thirty minutes for a Wii game. Um, and and as with any kind of emulation scene, your mileage may vary. So. I mean, we were, we were talking about this before the before the podcast, but like, I played the first few levels of of Skyward Sword, the first few hours of Skyward Sword. It's it's fantastic. 
um, you can take. I actually didn't have a, 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 a wireless Wii sensor bar, so I just put two candles up in front of the computer monitor and was using that to aim the Wiimote. That also primarily uses the motion plus gyro and yeah. stuff for movement. So the pointer is kind of more of like a, a backup. It's just for it's, reference. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that works great. I mean, there were the you sound see Bluetooth good. dongle. Yeah, you need Bluetooth on your computer. Um, so, did you have any troubles with getting the Bluetooth? The Bluetooth signal was it totally accurate? Uh, yeah, it was fine. It just is the the key is that you have to use the Microsoft a uh, Bluetooth adapter that uses the Microsoft stack. Because I I use the one that's just built into my ASUS motherboard, uh-huh. and it works fine. But the range um, is really short, uh-huh. or or I don't know if it's the range so much as the like the signal, the noise. I, I have to turn my desktop tower around because oh. it's facing the wall. Yeah, yeah. And I have to like turn it around underneath my desk so that it faces me, or else I get really spotty Bluetooth. So I have a, a Bluetooth dongle that's like a ten dollar thing that basically it, it looks like it's a little blue light that just kind of sticks in a USB slot, and I have that in one of my front USB ports on the case, and it works great. Yeah, I think for general ease of use, that's a better solution. Than, it seems like it, yeah. Um, so that stuff works really well. You can also set up uh, like an Xbox controller or PS3 controller if, if you so desire. I tried that for Super Mario Galaxy but found that the mapping all the shaking and stuff to buttons was much more awkward than just using the Wiimote. Um, I think Skyward Sword, because it uses Wii Motion Plus, you have to use the Wiimote. I think you can do some keyboard and mouse workarounds for that, but it's not going to be good. Yeah, so the thing that I found was that, um, well, the first thing is you play them in HD, which is really nice. Um, Better in HD because uh, yeah, you, you render higher resolution. Right, well, you can. 2560 by 1600 yeah. or up. Well, 20, that was 20, what my monitor. 2880 by 1400, something like that. Yeah. Um, you do, uh, now, not everything's perfect. So there's there's flaky stuff on everything. There was some sound hitching in Skyward Sword, Getting the audio stuff working right required some some dumping of DSP files from the console, which is a pain in the ass. Um, so it's not perfect. Like if you're if you if you're the kind of person that gets annoyed when things aren't when things require some fiddling, then probably this is not for you, and you should just wait until they release the inevitable Wii U HD version of Super Mario Galaxy Two. Um, I have some console friends who are. You know, super into those games and like really enjoyed seeing them in HD. But they're also very much like console players. Don't mess with PCs. They're yeah, like, they're Mac guys. And like while I was you know setting stuff up, I'm like, oh, controller is not set up. Like, gotta you know program the inputs. And and they're just like, ah, oh, like it sucks. You have to go through all this stuff all the time. And like to me, I just think like I partially kind of like the tinkering. Process. That's part of the fun. I mean, I can get frustrated with it for sure, but it is kind of part of the fun and. I think it's totally worth. Like I'm happy to pay that price. Yeah, right. And you and you'll also settle for a little bit of stuttering music to get Super Mario Galaxy Two. Now it's just not any computer that can run this, and something like you know, clock speed really matters. Yeah, I'm surprised that Will, you're actually able to run the games at the clock speed that you that you're using on your computer. Um, Yeah. So well, so I have a, a Hexacore. Uh, CPU of last two generations old now, thirteen sixty six one, um, and like I, I can see the Turbo Boost stuff turn on when I turn on Dolphin because it's it's basically dual threaded, right? You have yes, you, yeah. you basically have have a thread. Uh, it, it emulates the Wii, which I think is a dual kind of a dual core 
CPU. And then you can also choose to dump the sound processing, which is surprisingly the biggest, like the biggest hog of the whole thing off onto an entirely separate CPU thread, which made it real crashy in my experience. Um, so I was able to play Skyward Sword works great with with the emulated sound. Were you just doing like double resolution for Skyward Sword or triple? Um, I tried a whole bunch of different stuff. I think I probably tried double resolution, then scaled it down to to nineteen to ten eighty p. I didn't run it native resolution on my panel because that seemed crazy. Um, and this is Windows eight too, which makes things even more complex. Uh, the Mario Galaxy has stuttering audio stuttering problems on my machine when I whether I'm emulating the actual hardware, the low level emulation, or just doing the kind of uh, sound wrapper, which has some other problems. I would guess if you upgrade to the successor to Ivy Bridge next year or whenever you get a new CPU, yeah, um, that it will probably run everything flawlessly. To to the extent that Dolphin can run things, are you running an Ivy Bridge machine now? I'm on Sandy. Okay, um, but. Uh, apparently like sandy bridge ivy bridge speeds um with when you factor in overclocking are pretty much the same yeah i mean i was seeing in the message boards that talk about this stuff i was seeing people saying they were using clock speeds of like four gigahertz on sandy bridge machines and was just thinking wow i'm not i don't want to i don't want to overclock that much because i don't want to make my machine that like the the more cores the have kind of problem. I've had trouble trouble overclocking this machine. I have a twenty five hundred K from Sandy Sandy Bridge um overclocked to like four point one. Uh-huh. Um which literally like I opened up the Asus control panel that that came with the motherboard and clicked fast of, okay. the, of the two settings. Nice. And it was like okay And you're just using a nice air cooler. Yeah. Uh no I have well yeah it is an air cooler. It's a but it's a cooler master yeah. like a good one. It's like the big V eight or something. It's, okay. Oh, that Hybrid nice 212, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that was like 30 bucks, maybe 20 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Uh, and the CPU never gets very hot um, and it's totally stable. So, well, so the, th- the thing I did was went in, my motherboard lets me manually configure the, the Turbo Boost stuff, which is what basically when it detects that you're, you're hitting 100% on a couple of cores and not on the other f- four cores, it'll turn those off and crank up the speeds on the on the two that are being used so i increased the multiplier on that until i was able to and that that helped a ton so you're actually seeing probably like three something i, I would guess that i'm at like 3.2 or something like that I, I haven't done the math but i was running it i went from a 26 multiplier to a 29 multiplier and that that was when things started getting hinky so yeah i mean it works really well it's it's like i said it's kind of a fun science project as much as anything yeah, it takes um, some fiddling, but for the most part, I, I imagine the most of the games you're going to play, with the exception of the Galaxy games, are probably going to run pretty okay. damn well. Like, but the Galaxy games are the best. They are. I mean, um, I, I was I was a little bummed because I was <sighs> Super Mario Galaxy Two. I was excited about. I I have it running well enough where there are a couple places where it'll drop down to like 40 FPS, but that's mm-hmm. usually just like when you're getting a, a star and like the animation plays. Yeah. Um, and f- like for the rest of the game, it's. It Skyward Sword fine. looked great, and I hadn't played. I had bought that and put it in my drawer, and then never played it because I might unhooked the Wii. So um, I'm excited about playing that, and and of course uh, the um, Wind Waker looks gorgeous, even though it's four by three. Uh, just turn on the widescreen hack. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can make widescreen. Just turn on the widescreen. There's hack. a lot of hacks. Come I have on. Mark. I haven't gotten Come into. On. I haven't gotten into a piece of software that's quite that raw in a long time. Yeah, it's just like under graphic settings. There's a a thing that says like four sixteen by nine, four four by three auto. Yeah. If you just hit four sixteen by nine, and then there's like a widescreen button right under it, click that, and boom. Wind Waker is awesome. Nice. The UIs are stretched. 
Yeah, and there are actually, if you want to go even deeper, you can go into some uh, HD texture packs that people have put up for <laughs> Jesus Christ for UI stuff. So like okay. the 3D, like the polygonal stuff, scales really well when yeah. you render at high resolution. UI stuff does not. Yeah, and and well, so, and even stuff like the put make sure the strap is on your Wii mode on the screen. That screen looks terrible. Yeah, so some people have done like the overlays for the the A button, you know, on the and the C buttons and stuff on Zelda. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so you can download one of those and like I, I've actually never done that because you have to turn it on somewhere and tell it to load those files. But but that does that is kind of like the one thing that doesn't scale well in Dolphin, and people have kind of fixed that. Fixed so, it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so of course the normal things apply. Don't pirate games. Don't download them from BitTorrent. If you have a Wii, it is dead simple to rip your own discs. You're, I think you're breaking your warranty when you do that. Yeah. Um, but the homebrew channel in general is pretty cool. It's pretty neat. You can do some neat stuff in there. Um, so yeah, the, uh, that's, I guess that's it. Um, do we want to talk about the meta watch? You want to save that until you've uh, used it some norm? I want to use it. Uh, so that'll do it for, for us this week. You want to take some questions? Any any other stuff we've been testing? Anything? Same question. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. It's, you know, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. If you have a question for This Is Only a Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Keep it short, under a minute, and make sure you sound good like you're, you like the podcast sounds when you listen to it in your headphones. Sound more good? Because if, if you do not sound more good, then you will your question will be not more read. Here is the first question. G'day, guys. This is Rob from Melbourne, Australia. Firstly, some hometown trivia. Melbourne was founded by Batman. Feel free to look that up. I couldn't even make it up if I tried. Now, on to my question. I've heard you guys, especially Will, in the past mention that you think ultraviolet is garbage. I'm curious why. The marketing story from them makes it sound pretty good, so I'm curious what your aversion to it is based upon. As a consumer, the general idea of being able to download and play a movie I've bought from anywhere sounds pretty compelling. Thanks, and always be testing. Rob. Well, Kurt Wimmer is not a really good director, and Mila Jovovich is basically playing the same role she did. Isn't it Charlize Theron? No. Ultraviolet. Oh, that was Anne Flox. Yes. Well, same movie, basically. Both terrible, right? Anne Flux combined with Equilibrium is Ultraviolet. Holy crap, Melbourne was founded by Batman. There you go. Uh, Ultraviolet is crap because the way the movies are stored distributed right now. John uh, Batman. You have to create logins for both Ultraviolet and also the movies are stored, I, I believe, on Flickster. Here, well, uh, that's only on iOS. It, and so for each platform is different. And it's, it's really disjointed. There's all sorts of weird rules. The performance to actually down some, – some platforms only allow you to stream. So if you want to get on an airplane and watch your Ultraviolet movie, sorry – um uh the downloads take forever like just in general most mobile os's don't handle giant in-app downloads very well and the quality was kind of bad that that's pretty much the high points so I mean, i'd rather have the itunes system. digital copy than ultraviolet and that really says something about how shitty ultraviolet is yeah there there should be a much better system for all that stuff um john batman holy crap i had no idea that's amazing there we go uh let's take another question Hey, Tested Crew. This is Manny from Fresno, California. A little hometown trivia. Fresno is the hometown of the very great Sam Peckinpah and quite a lot of meth. Uh, my question is about the Vibram Five Fingers, those creepy toe shoes that Will tested quite a while ago. Uh, I kind of want to know if you've still been using them. Uh, I've been having some ankle issues, and I want to know if there's some like real long-term benefit to wearing those things, or if you guys have any other shoe recommendations that would make my running and jogging more comfortable for me. 
and are also hopefully not too garish looking will anyway thanks guys and always be testing um so i stopped wearing them in public i mean i wear them around the house you wear them in the house that seems like a terrible idea well like when i'm working in the yard and stuff like that i wear them that to the grocery like a store terrible idea because you could drop something on your toe what what i'm not back a there branch. juggling chainsaws if, if you're gardening I, well, with, there's like sharp tools around. Last thing you want is open toed or not open toed, but your toes, you know, individual exposed. toes exposed. Hasn't had, I haven't had a problem with it so far. I think those things are really that much more vulnerable than just a regular. Yeah, it can be shoe. worse than sneakers. You know, yeah. sneakers, if like, if it's leather tops. I mean, I guess, I guess with sneakers, if the, like the rake hits it, then it'll like, bounce it, off. It's not going to bounce off, but it like, it, it'll be spread over the entire top of the toes rather than just that one toe. But you could, the rake could go straight between the toes. So then so you completely a, dodge a bullet. It's a risk reward mechanism. Yeah. With, with the vibrams. Yeah. This is all. The point is you're not wearing them. Um, I wear them, I wear them to the grocery store sometimes. People always, I stopped because like it, 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 they attract unwanted attention. People always look at them and they ask questions. I don't really like talking to people. I didn't stop because they aren't comfortable or anything like that. And I like the way that they taught me to walk the the correct way was actually a massive improvement um, for for my day to day comfort. Walking a correct way. Uh, There's uh, the shoes that Jeff gave me when he got the Crisis Tour. Oh, the Freeze shoes, the Nike Freeze. Are those what they're called? Yeah, the ones with the completely super flexible they're sole. They're super flexible sole, and they're also really light. I, I like them a lot, because they're mostly because they're so light. So they're their answer to the toe shoes, and the, the idea is that it's the minimal minimal running, because the, the, the thing that kinesthesiologists have determined is that when you wear a shoe with a lot of padding on your foot, you just strike harder on your ankle and knee so that it, the impact is worse. But this it one, is. it still feels padded. I'm not feeling it, like it is gravel. Still, no, it is still padded, but it's not... It's, it does not cushion the blow. So you get accurate feedback about how hard you're hitting your knees, basically. Does that also factor in like Dr. Scholl's inserts and, and you stuff shouldn't, like that? You shouldn't you put should those in running shoes. Running, you should not be running with no. Dr. Scholl's inserts. Yeah. Those are for old people. Well, they have a lot of different kinds, right? I mean, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I ruined my favorite pair of shoes when we went to E3 one year because I was like, shit, I'm going to get some of these gel insoles so that I'll be walking on cushions of air and then the shoes have never been right since. Well, they're the gel ones. Like, Thanks, I have, Dr. Shaw. I have a pair uh, in my shoes that are like athletic ones that yeah. have – there's like gel, a little bit of gel kind of near the toes. But for the most part, there's like a cup on the – On the uh, heel? On, on the – the arch because I have really flat arches. Okay, uh, and it, or it's not a cup, but it's like a kind of a plastic, like a harder surface to sort of shore it up. Fascinating, I guess. Wesley. It's, it's kind of just, I guess, designed to ergonomically support your foot better. I don't really know mm. how helpful they are, but they give you more foot support than like a typical. Just well, well, I mean, if you thin have like insert. if your podiatrist has assigned you to wear inserts, of course you should wear the inserts. I mean, they're just mine are just like you know twenty dollar off the shelf. Don't okay, wear shoes but. in the house or the office. Be nimble at all times in the office. But what if there's a fire? You'll have to stop to put your shoes off to go outside. No, I'll just grab my shoes and run. But then your socks will get wet when you're standing outside. Or you you could step on a hobo. Yeah, but you know, you should never take your. uh, I was sitting next to a pilot one time uh, on an airplane ride, and I took my shoes off before we took off. He's like, you should never do that because if there's an emergency and the plane crashes and you have to, like, as you're getting out, you have to run through a pile of flaming kerosene to avoid death. You don't want to do that barefoot. That sounds like a horrible thing to hear from a pilot, period. It was really an exciting. It was a good conversation. I don't want a nice pilot's talk. talking about exploding this is, planes and carriers. This is, this, is, this is life-saving information we're giving here today on This Is Only a Test. When we flew to New York, uh, I think that was the first time I'd actually taken my shoes off on a plane or that I remember doing it. Yeah. And, yeah, and 
I guess at the time I was kind of thinking about all the like shoe bombers and mm-hmm. you know, or you should have gotten some matches and held the phone up potential and, shoe bombers. So I was kind of like, is it okay to take your shoes off on the plane? Like, is this frowned upon? And so I just did it covertly, just testing the waters. Yeah, and put a blanket down know, there. It was, it was fine. Nobody accused a little me whiff. of having bombs in my shoes. Well, but I mean, if you think about it, you have to escape the plane quickly. You never know what you're going to have to run through. The last thing you want to do is have to be fumbling for your shoes. As the the mob is trampling over you, always wear I shoes. Think the mob's really trampling ten thousand feet. That's what I say when the, when they say you can bust out electronics. That's when I kick the shoes. It's worth the extra four minutes. Potential okay. for life. You want to do one more question? We have one more. It was a All good right. one. Hey, Tessie crew. This is Manny from Fresno, California. That's the same Hello. question. Hey, never Manny. mind. Okay, I I, <laughs> I listened to one question. And never mind. That was left over from last week. So um, I guess that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Wesley Fenlon, Norman Chan, thank you guys as always. Anything to plug, Wes? Wire cutter stuff? Um, Powerline networking? No, there's a couple stories I have, I guess, queued up for next week. Yeah, uh, uh, you should also read, uh, you talked to um, Pixar about... Oh, that was great. Yeah, that was really cool. Three that movies, was... and it's not just press the upconvert button. I mean, they have to, it's almost like archaeology what they do to get those things back. They, they actually compare it to that. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed talking to them about that because it was it was primarily about making Finding Nemo 3D yeah. and what goes into that. But we Out also now. we also talked a little bit about the like the way they store files at Pixar and what it's like when they have to upgrade to a new platform, yes. a new you know animation program, and like the headaches of adapting stuff. Yeah, and even right. even though they used so like they have a new platform now that they use for Brave and I you know everything going forward. Right. Um, and when they did Nemo 3D, they were still using the old one, I guess. Um, but even using, still using that same platform, just the changes that had happened in the past eight years, you know, the way that platform had evolved still made it kind of tricky to go back. You got to kind of go back step by step. Stuff. It's well, like, instead of, you know, using Photoshop CS6, you have to go to Photoshop two on end, you know, uh, on, on a old Mac that was not x86 or something. Well, but with the SGI system, with the Pixar stuff, it's the thing that's interesting that I hadn't fully appreciated is that it's more each film is almost like an application that's run on this platform than than a, a series of like media and content files. Yeah, I liked like one of the the good examples is he talked about the the random number generation stuff they use to control um, like the movement of you know water ripples and stuff like and, that. Like, okay, yeah, and debris on the screen, and so there was basically no way for them to exactly repli- replicate. The a few elements of some scenes because the kernel numbers or seed numbers for that like are Who gone. Knew, yeah, yeah, somebody just matched the keyboard. Right. So you know it's going to look ninety nine percent the same, but like there are tiny little changes like that. Oh, so that, it's not okay. So it's not like Lucas special editions of Star Wars no. where they added Jabba Hut, Jabba the Hut in the first movie or and stuff like that. No, I mean it's it's three D. So like there is some minor you know three D like camera angle changes to heighten the 3d effect but like in terms of the way the movie plays out like it's so i mean i'm generally pretty anti 3d in movies but the animated i do like going to a good animated movie 3d i'm interested i can't, i gotta think the jellyfish scene in nemo is going to be amazing in 3d i'd be interested to see it because when i saw toy story 3 um and that wasn't made with 3d in mind i think that was kind of an afterthought and right. i thought the 3d was was barely noticeable didn't really add anything to the movie, um, but I think that's something they'll get better at. Toy Story 3 wasn't made with 3D in mind? I don't think so. Up I mean, was. 
they release it in 3D, but if it was yeah, up was 3D. If if they had it in mind while making it um or had it planned from the start, it certainly didn't come across to me like it well, it felt very minimally Im- implemented. Which is the right way to do it. What yeah, one of the things that they've always done is Lasseter said he doesn't want shit flying at you from the screen, which is awesome. Like that's the bad that's bad 3D as far as I'm concerned. Granted that's a good thing, but the, from my experience watching Toy Story 3D, I was like I would have rather have just seen this in 2D because it didn't I didn't feel like it added. Didn't justify the glasses. Okay. Um, Norm, any appearances or anything? Pested.com. Pested.com. Stay tuned. Um, So I guess that'll do it for us this week. Stay tuned for some outtakes. Uh, Today's outro comes to you from Evil Max 17. Hi there. I didn't see you. Pested. It's a pretty good noise, Norm. Ridiculous. I don't remember where that was from. It's from TiVo. Oh, yeah. That's the noise, dude. That's how I sound in my head. What's your favorite board game, Wes? Favorite board game? You're wearing a Cluedo shirt now. You know, I actually love Clue. Clue is, of all the Milton Bradley... Like all the shitty board games we played as kids, Clue is the only one that is actually a good game. Risk is a good game. Uh, Risk is tedious and boring. I, Monopoly I love, is a good game. I Monopoly love, is a fuck. Fuck you. Monopoly is not a good game. Monopoly is a wonderful. I game. love Risk and Monopoly from having grown up playing them, but I oh. would not say like looking at them critically that th- there is so much randomness. Uh, I will, t- especially in Risk. I think Monopoly is fine. The problem with Monopoly is. The winning strategy is not the fun strategy. If people, if it's if somebody, not, it's once you get trade, a monopoly, usually. your only goal is to get make sure nobody else gets a monopoly and you have the only one, and then you win in a epic battle of attrition. That's horrible. That is not fun. Um, if you force people to trade, if you have rules that force people to trade, if you use some house rules, then monopoly can be fun, but only with four players. the The reason I love Clue is, I think, is partially because. At least when I used to play it more as a kid, I was pretty good at it in that I figured out a really good system for keeping track of information. Because oh. that's like 80% of Clue yeah. is knowing how to eliminate variables in the game. And so if you know how to keep track not only of what you know, but of what other people know around you. It's very you Six can, Sigma of your West. You can start to eliminate, you know, if you see somebody handing someone else a card or not handing them a card then you go okay i know they have this card which means they don't have this yeah. so yeah it is very much it's the sudoku of board games yeah it's it's a thinking game and i think lately the last few times i've played it i've done that and tried to get fancy with it and then ended up making assumptions that <laughs> are completely <laughs> got a little ahead of yourself yeah uh, now but, when you play clue do you allow people to use a notepad cuz you know Sherlock Holmes would have carried a notepad well there's always the little sheet there's the clue sheet with the the check marks and stuff on it i i you know i'd forgotten about that because my version of my, the version of clue we played got played so much you ran out of that like we i i had forgotten that those were every it was like you know the yahtzee sheets yeah, nobody it, ever orders more yahtzee sheets yeah it comes with a little notepad thing with all the that's basically like a spreadsheet grid of all the places and all the yeah the weapons the and weapons the people. and then you have columns that you can assign to the players in the game um, the last time I played it, we had actually run out of those. Yeah. It was a set up at my family's lake house that's been played since before I was born. Yeah, the corners of the boxes are peeling back. Yeah, and, so yeah. I actually went online and like found a 
found one that I could print out and printed just like a dozen wow. or something. Uh, but apparently the ones I printed, I didn't pay any attention to them. And they're actually from like the British version of Clue or something. <laughs> so they had twice as many rooms and all the like half the rooms had different names. Wait, what? Oh, no. Yeah. Hold so on. The British version of Clue is, is did they dumb down Clue for the American audience? I don't know. I don't know which one came out first. I Hold would on. assume it was American. It's, before. It's, well, it's called Cluedo in Europe, right? I guess. I don't know. And I don't know what version this was from. I just kind of assumed it was the British version. But If you had twice as many rooms, would it be twice as difficult? It would. It, yeah. So it added in things like the parlor and all. Oh, my all, version had a parlor. Is the a parlor conservatory? The, oh, the, the conservatory is, is that's, one of the rooms. That's a, that's a the classic conservatory. There's stable. the kitchen. There's the billiard room. There's yeah. The ballroom. Everybody has a billiard room in America. Um, but there were there were more rooms. The library or um, library, so as we say. About here. half the rooms were the same, and then there were a few new ones. And I can't remember. I think there were there were more weapons too. Um, like a chandelier, not just a candelabra, so, a chandelier. So, so we had to perform like surgery on our our boards <laughs> and be like, okay, cross this one out and write in conservatory on it, and cross this one out. That room doesn't even exist. I don't know what that room is. Oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah. It's, Clue is a fun game. Are you guys playing anything uh, board game board gamey these days, or is, is that I haven't had one in a while? That passed. It, we had one like the week before Thanksgiving or a couple weeks before Thanksgiving. Week so before. yeah, okay. Game of Thrones needs to come back. Yeah, I'm not allowed to play that anymore. No, nope. there was an incident. I I had a I had a really good move at the end. Um. Your your good move came at the expense of everyone else's fun for the two hours preceding it. I think that's I think that's the inevitable outcome of that game. That's why I don't like that game. I, I would be interested in playing no, Battlestar Galactica because it has a similar similar setup, but doesn't take twelve hours to play. It's really that the game's not anything alike. They're not anything alike. I don't think. Well, you have. I guess you have the secret. The difference is you're, you you it's hunt the Cylon, right? Because Battlestar is all cooperative with the. The possibility of evil in your midst. Oh, so it's like the resistance. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to survive. You're trying yeah. to beat the game okay. versus beat the other people. Fair enough. Um, so it's like Pandemic with the expansion and stuff like that. Game of Thrones is markedly better when everybody playing it knows how to play. That's possible, too. Um, but there was a, the, the first two hours were discussion of the rules Yeah. to the point that some of our players went and took a nap. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it gets a lot better once you know how to play. Yeah. I don't know. Um... That's it. That's what we got. Yeah. Any Board other fake games. outtake stuff? I've been playing a lot of Halo Four. What are you? Are you playing Spartan Ops or multiplayer? Multiplayer. I never I, see you on. Are we? Are we Xbox friends? We might not be. Um, we are. I actually haven't been playing a lot, a lot compared to the like five hours a day of Halo Two I played after school for yeah. six months. Yeah. Daily. I played a um, lot of Halo Two. Uh, I had like a nightly group. Since my friends that I play with are all on the East Coast, a lot of times I'll get on around like 4 o'clock. Oh, so you're playing while I'm still at work. Yeah, so I'll play from like 4 to 7, you know, somewhere in that time slot usually. And then by 10 o'clock Eastern or 11 o'clock Eastern, they're all going to bed. Do you you like what they did with the multiplayer? As a Halo – so you and I have the same heritage because I didn't play a ton of Halo 3 and played a little bit of Reach but not not much. I think Halo 3 was mechanically the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, Halo 2 had better maps, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Lockout. Lockout is still an all-time favorite. Yeah, and Halo 3, they figured out, you know, the BR was the go-to weapon. Yeah. You know, Halo 2, you still had a lot of SMG starts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So I think Halo 3 was the best game in the series uh, overall. Um, I did not like reach multiplayer at all. 
Yeah, they the 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 bonus the armor effects were way 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 fucked up. Yeah. Um Halo 4 is fun. I think they instant spawning really bothers me um cuz I think it kind of breaks the the flow of how a lot of the multiplayer matches should work. But that's on a per game type basis. It's not in it? every game type, but okay. it's in enough that that it sucks. It, it sucks whenever someone you just killed respawns and, and shoots you, you while you have half your shields. Like yeah. that just shouldn't happen. Um, and, and there's some other things that bother me. I don't like. I I really enjoyed the. Uh, I guess it's the quake model. I don't know of deathmatch where all the weapons are on the map and. Um, I, I never played a lot of Quake, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, like it's like Quake versus Counter Strike, basically. Yeah, I don't know how equivalent the comparison is, but basically, old Halo is all about map control. Yeah, and knowing when the power weapons are going to respawn and being in a position on the map to get the rocket launcher and the sniper when it respawns. Well, and the trick was with that type of game is you you put the weapons, the powerful weapons, in the difficult to defend defend spots or the vulnerable spots. And Q3 DM17 is a perfect example of that. The railgun is out on a platform in the middle of the of space where you are open to being shot by everybody. I mean, and 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 you're right. That was the that was the fun part of yeah, that. Like knowing how to control maps and working as a team was like that was how you would win games. Yeah. Basically, I mean, being yeah. a better shot. Like that helped, but if you played as a team, that was way more important and knew the maps, that was really important. Well, so you still have to kind of play as a team, but it's more everybody runs around and shoots at the right guy in the right order rather than map control. Yeah, and and even then with like instant respawning affects that where you're more likely to get killed by someone who just spawns in and shoots you before you've you've healed. And then the the personal ordinance, I think, is the big thing that kind of throws a wrench in... You mean like, the loadouts, that stuff? Well, the loadouts to some extent, but mostly like the the maps aren't designed to continuously populate with the same weapons all the time in the same way. Oh, that stuff. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. The it used to be there would be like two power weapons on a map. There'd be like a sniper rifle on yeah. each side and then a rocket or something. Yeah. And now once you fill up your ordnance meter in most of the game types, it's like you might get a rocket launcher, fuel rod gun, overshield like choice while the person on the other team gets to choose from a needler and a speed super boost speed fucking and, speed boost yeah, and so like okay the needler is good but it's not a rocket launcher yeah and that that can screw over your team and it leaves it so that sticky there could be, launcher there could be five power weapons in play at any given time and and that's that can be fun i honestly. think that's fine for the for the big team for like the pickup games but you don't see that stuff as much in slayer pro and that kind of stuff yeah i need to play more slayer pro because i think that's kind of four if you have four people and you're playing slayer pro it's it's fantastic um, but the game is honestly really fun but i think there are some you know they have very clearly added in elements from call of duty and other kind of yeah. modern shooters and kind of just jammed them into the game and not all of them work I, well i like work the, as well i like the, like I like that they use the Codblop style where you can kind of purchase upgrades, like where you can purchase upgrades in the order in which you want them. So that lets me, rather than have to work for 40 hours to get to the gun that I really wanted to play the whole game with, which is what always happened in Modern Warfare, you, you, you can just go out and you, you buy, get your four cert points, save them up, and then spend them and get the, get the good gun that you want. Yeah, I think for the most part, the loadouts are fine. Like yeah. I think that is, of, of all the new stuff they added, that works the best. Um, I think maybe the 
worst thing in the game in general is that the DMR is actually too good. Um, yeah, it's going to get nerfed. It, it feels great mm-hmm. to fire, and that's and that's fine. But it the range on it is so awesome that like there's no reason to get up close on a lot of the bigger maps because you can just shoot guys. From, well, it's like it's like a so far away. real cheap sniper rifle. Yeah, it is, and and it feels really good to shoot guys with it. Like they totally nailed the the gun feedback and everything, but. It, it definitely kind of pushes encounters out on some of the larger maps and it kind of discourages sort of the, like you'll notice in the game there are no big open maps the way mm-hmm. there were in Halo 2 and Halo 3 yeah. where you could just drive people no around. Gulch. and yeah. yeah And that's because the gun is, the DMR is so good that if you walked out into the middle of any place, you would just die immediately. Well, there's a couple of maps. There's that one map that's the big donut. I don't remember what it's called. Um, exile yeah with the green, with, with the tanks and stuff mm-hmm. yeah that one that one you you get kind of big scrums in it's it's but it's still very like there's very few just like grassy field areas I mean, yeah there's no blood gulch equivalent yeah, you'll you'll spend five seconds getting from cover to cover and that's it um it's also the 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 like build your own deathmatch stuff is a lot limited more limited than it has been in the past which is a little bit of a bummer yeah they they took out some stuff that they really made Halo Halo since Halo 2, like one flag CTF was really yeah. fun. And now they can't, there's no one flag. And they took out a lot of that, that custom game stuff. Have you played any of the Spartan Ops stuff? Only the first chapter or the first episode. So, yeah. And I've done some of the second one. Uh, I've heard it gets better as it goes. Yeah, the the cutscenes, you don't get them when you're playing with other people, but the, they're worth watching. Yeah, the, the cutscenes are real, really well produced. Um, the, I was initially really bummed that they took out Firefight because I thought that Firefight and Reach was one of the better parts of the game. Um, but the the Spartan Ops stuff actually ends up working. It's 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 very compelling when you're actually in there, and I think it's a little more directed than the Firefight was. The thing in a really positive way. It's bothered my friends and I about uh, Spartan Ops is like the cool thing in Firefight and the old Halo campaigns. Once you've beaten them, was to go back and do the. Like have the skulls on the skull the, runs for scores. The team scoring yeah. stuff um, that you could do in Halo Three and Reach, uh, and in Firefight you could you know you had lives. There was some consequence to dying, and there is absolutely no consequence to anything. Well, you Spartan lose Ops. score. You lose score in Spartan Ops, this, the, and score affects your XP, XP at the I end. Think, yeah. I guess. So I guess that's but that's not really indicated anywhere in the game. I and, and honestly, that was just my assumption. You may not you may not actually lose score. I just it feels like you get less XP if you die a lot. And the like the team scoring stuff was it was a thin like layer, you know, on top of the game, but it was still fun to like well, to see that see your score compared to the it, other person. It gave you a reason to play with skulls and make the game ridiculously difficult. Yeah, and to and there's no checkpoints in Spartan Ops. So basically yeah. when you play it on legendary and like all the grunts have fuel rod cannons and you're gonna die a lot, your strategy is kind of just run towards them, shoot them a bunch, throw your grenades at them, get killed, respawn. And DMR, like, dude, just snipe them from a long way away. Yeah, so there's very little consequence, um, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it feels like they took away some functionality that could have made that mode a little more fun. It's a lot less frustrating than, say, Gears 3 Horde mode or um, or uh, Firefight could be. Because yeah. Firefight, like the thing that doesn't happen in Spartan Ups is you reach the point where you can't progress any further because you died too much early on and didn't get enough uh, upgrades or whatever. So I, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, it's a good first outing for those guys, I think. I think it's a really cool way to try to do a like add-on campaign to yeah. do the 10, 10 episodes after the campaign. I think it'll, you know, the next game will probably do it better. 
Um, and Spartan Ops sounds like it's getting better as it goes. So. There, there's more variety in the mission types. It's not just go here, press a button. Because the first episode was a lot of go to this place, press a button, some guys are going to spawn, you kill them, go to another place, press a button, some guys are going to spawn, you're going to kill them. And the campaign honestly had that problem too of like I, – I really enjoyed the campaign, but there's there's kind of a weird – feeling of interacting with the world in games like uh, Halo 4 and some other kind of big budget shooters where there's this really imaginative architecture all around you and there's like really high technology but then the only thing you ever interact with is like pushing a button or take the lady out of your head and jam her into the slot yeah and and like Gears kind of had the same thing where you know the only thing you ever interact with is like lifting up a door or turning a wheel on some yeah, pipe some slow wheel like a, a lot of big budget games have that it's have funny that issue. it's funny because it seemed like they had triggers for stuff that wasn't like that in the single player and they just didn't expose it at all because there were some places where you would definitely um like if you if you charged through a bunch of enemies and didn't didn't kill them then then that would behave a little bit differently than you might expect and they didn't. They didn't seem to do anything with it. I, I, I'm trying to think of the specific example, but I was. I want to say I was running someplace, and I got to an unusual location, and that triggered a bunch of spawns in a way that that I wasn't expecting. But it needs to be more capture and hold stuff, things like that. Bring that horde mode stuff into the campaign. Yeah. So uh, overall, I'm enjoying it. I don't know how long I'll stick with it. You should play Far Cry. It's definitely a step up from Reach, though. You, you should play some Far Cry. Pretty good. That'll be a, a Steam sale game for me. Okay. Yeah, it's. it's but I, I've heard it sounds like it's really. It's fun. a lot. It's all the stuff that I liked about the first Far Cry and the second. From the from the limited amount of time I've played so far, it's all the stuff that I I loved about the first one, where you kind of have islands and different approaches to combat, and all of the kind of weird uh, emergent stuff that was in the second one, like lighting shit on fire and using that to flush people out of a base or stuff like that. Pretty cool. I've heard the story is real dumb though. I'm sure the story the story so far is like within the first five minutes, Gina Gina was mocking the game out loud. <laughs> so you know that's always a bad sign. Writing in games, guys. Anyway, I guess that'll do it. Anything to add, Norm? No, I got to get back to work. See you guys next week.